Auto One Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. And welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast. I hope it's your favorite, Creative Writing. And uh, I just want to say something here at the top of the show. We are, I've been going back, we're we're approaching show 200, which is pretty cool. Um, It's a a big milestone for us. Uh, It's going to be five years on the air, believe it or not. And I went all the way back to 2015 and I started out with 200, just over 200 downloads. Of course, I didn't release anything until December, so that's actually pretty good. I released like the first three episodes all at once in December. 200 downloads, great. Well, the next year, I was up to 11,000 downloads. I thought that was pretty good. But the year after that, I went up to 20,000. And the year after that, 40,000. So here we are in year number five, and we're just over 40,000 again. I was hoping to get up to the 80,000 mark. So if you listen, we, we, I did the math today. We averaged about 110 listens a day. If you could tell a friend about the show and tell them there's some numbnuts named Junkie that gets together with a few friends and sometimes some guests each week and talks about the creative people inside motorcycling. You know, we don't talk to the superstars. We don't talk to the people, the, the movers and the shakers that get all the attention. We talk to the movers and shakers behind the scenes that help those movers and shakers shake. The people that do stuff for their communities, the people that make the art that you see on a daily basis, basically the people that never get any attention paid to them except for the millions of people that look at the stuff that they do and wonder who did that. So that's creative writing in a nutshell. And if you could just, one of the 110 people that hear us every day, if you could just tell one friend, that means we'll have 220 people a day and that's all I want for next year is to double the listens that we had this year you know I know there's some podcasts out there that get what we get in like a whole year in a week and that's okay with me we aren't those shows and the people that listen to us uh, they they can listen to that show I don't want to stomp on anyone's feet by becoming the best most listened to podcast in the world I just want to make a difference in the motorcycling world and that's what we're all about so with that in mind Let's uh, get into episode 190, whatever it is, part two. Hi, everybody. Whoops. I got you potted up a little too hot, alternate Wiggins. (laughs) Hey, 
on the uh, on the line tonight, we have um, MotoGP from the No Komodo podcast. He's sitting in for Wiggins. Wiggins is working his 14th job in just as many weeks, and uh, couldn't be here tonight. So we got Jay over here. Hey, hey, hey! And MotoGP all the way over there. Grumble, grumble! I'm alternate Wiggins. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does a pretty good job of being alternate Wiggins. You sound a little bit down. You are in the Rocky Mountains. Are you experiencing some um, seasonal effect disorder? Did you get out and ride today? I did not. I've had the day off and the whole time computer and making lunch and dinner and school runs with my kids. Dude, some days that's how it is. I uh, tomorrow night that will be my my night. Tomorrow I'm going to be grabbing the kids hosting my first uh, pack meeting, not hosting, but being a part of the, my first pack meeting as more than just a spectator and, uh, and all that good jazz. So yeah, it gets real. And then also getting up early in the morning to make their lunches before I have to go to work. So yeah, sometimes that dad life, that adult life will kill you. <laughs> and the dad life. Yeah, well, I know, hashtag the new mom life. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, our wives are out there riding motorcycles, and uh, there ain't a damn thing we can do about it uh, because of the... <laughs> but for women that <laughs> want to ride motorcycles, I don't know. This, this is getting on... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, this is getting on... That's interesting. that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can edit yeah, that out, right? That could be taken out of context. Really Some famous quickly. person says that all the time, and I just can't remember who. But yeah, welcome. This is episode... Anybody know, Jay? Do you know? You should know. I, 197. Well, sort of. Oh. You helped contribute to part one last week. Oh, okay. So then it's 198 then. It's 196 Tec- part two. Uh, oh, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I didn't know this was being tacked on to that yeah. previous one. I'm sure that in actual episodes, we're well in the 200s. But as far as the ones that we count, this is, uh, we're, we're 196.2. And um, yeah, take that, <laughs> listeners, eardrums. Um, so, but we're probably our things that we've put up but as far as actual an intro and outro <laughs> okay so let's interpret let's guess what he's saying yeah that's our new robot so MotoGP. he said he said that, that he words. said that moto he said nokomoto is Where's also my banana did yeah, you want a you banana? You offer me a banana. I brought a, a banana into the studio. I was, I was just about to, to take a bite. I banana because the last three weeks I've eaten a banana. I haven't eaten this one. I just peeled it. Do you want it? No, it's okay. Okay. Because I got it too close <laughs> to my face. So what MotoGP was saying is that they've also done roughly around 200 episodes, but from what they count, they're only on like episode uh, like 80-something. Close. They're getting close to 100, though. Am I right? Was I right? Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. So he's over there in Colorado. There is a freak snowstorm coming in, but we can get his robotic voice once in a while. And uh, we'll just play like charades. We'll try to figure out what he's saying. Jay, how can we play charades <laughs> over the internet? It's audio charades. Oh, you get I bits like and it. pieces and you puzzle it together. All right, tell us what you're doing. What are you waving? What are you wearing? <laughs> MotoGP. Send nudes. <laughs> so we will interpret he's not wearing anything. Yeah. <laughs> that was an easy one. <laughs> I heard him giggle, so I know he's probably just in his boxers. Um, yeah, so on tonight's show, we are. this is the last show before Spooky Spokes. So next week, we're not going to, well, we might be on, but we're, um, 
you know, next week is the big listener submitted show where we're not allowed to really put out any content. Although I think the first year I did it. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. That scared the shit out of me. I just dropped a banana on the, on the sound effects board. That the sh- I was like, oh, the rapture's happening. <laughs> and Jesus they're coming for taking me. God damn it. I never believed. I'm, I know. I knew you knew I'm they were coming now. for junkie. Yeah. <laughs> You're all, there's a um, horde of demons coming for junkie. Um, yeah, no, so the Spooky Spokes episode is our listener-submitted episode, which means that we will not be saying stuff. I think on the very first Spooky Spokes, I may have, because it was only 13 minutes long, and I was like, I guess I better add something to the beginning of this. But um, And then I think the second, no, the third year, Wiggins and I were doing a motor challenge, and there was no way I was going to let that skip an episode, so we did the motor challenge and Spooky Spokes together. But this year, we've already got our first submission from Miss Sandra Parker, and it is bone chilling. I might, I want you to, st- I want you to listen. I don't want you to get a um, behind the scenes. But I played it for my wife, and she looked at me like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, girl." So it's mm. gonna be good. This uh, this year on Spooky Spooks is gonna be good. That sounds cool. MotoGP, you live in yep. Colorado, famously where they filmed. You live in that hotel where they filmed The Shining, or at least that's where you're staying tonight. Um, is there anything spooky or like uh, a traditional haunted part of town up there in uh, where do you guys live? Ghostington. Okay. Yeah. Is so, there is there uh, any place? I, I live up near um, Fort Collins, Windsor, Greeley. It's where I live, but it's not too far away from where you're talking about, which is Estes Park. That's like up 34. It's like an hour up State Road 34, which is if you ever make it to Colorado, one of the greatest rides up 34 to Estes Park. Um, so yeah, um, it, this sounds so weird. I've lived here in Colorado for I don't know how long now, and I've never actually gone by the Stanley Hotel. And everyone that comes to visit me, it's like the first fucking thing that they do. And I <laughs> what couldn't is the, is be that the less one that, interested. Is that the one that is like this big giant lot, and um, it's abandoned, and there's all these buildings? Is that the one? No, so there's some sort of weird tangential connection with this hotel in The Shining. Everyone's like, oh, it's the hotel for The Shining, but it's not actually the hotel for The Shining. Mm. And then people are like, well, it's the one that inspired The Shining or something. It's famous for ghost tours, and I know this isn't really a very good yes and attitude for a sort of spooky episode but i am the biggest skeptic in the world and ghost tours <laughs> bore the shit out of me and i couldn't care less <laughs> take that you little monkey um yeah for some reason i think it was like the one used in the exterior shots maybe or something like that like i, I either that or uh, Philip K. Dick, whoever wrote uh, The Shining, was staying there and experienced something that inspired The Shining. And so um, that's, I think you're right about that. It's not like exactly the one, but it's like inspired by this hotel. Or maybe it was the one in the exterior shots, or even the one where they filmed the scene at the end where uh, they're running through the maze. So if you've never seen The Shining, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> if you've never seen The Shining, um, 1982, wait, is that when that was filmed? <laughs> 1982 is calling and they want you to travel back in time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited for this, um, for this year's Spooky Spokes. And I just, I figured that Colorado, like every, like every, uh, hipster, um, craft brew that comes out of there, I figured you guys had a really good spooky, uh, what about your brother? Is he more... You know, is he more uh, susceptible since he's always um, comedically drunk? Is he more susceptible to hauntings and stuff like that? 
no. <laughs> <laughs> very laconic. Very laconic tonight. You're doing the the part of Wiggins pretty good. Um, well, I I understand. I'm not giving a whole lot back here, but what I do experience all the time because I work in restaurants, and it's like restaurants are like baseball. There's one person who's a skeptic, and then everyone else who is just all arms in the air. Like, how do you? What do you mean you don't believe in ghosts? You know. Um, <laughs> Well, as my a, boss, especially. I'm, so I, I come across these ghost stories all the time and people who, you know, think their bikes are haunted and whatever. And I'm just the one sitting there with my arms crossed like you're all fucking idiots. But wait a minute. Is it possible that you're the ghost? You know that saying, if you look around and you can't oh. find the asshole in the room, uh, you're the one? It's like Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Is it possible that you're looking around and you're so skeptical because you're the ghost in the room? Let, let's end skeptic talk and start creative writing yeah for sure this has been skeptic talk with <laughs> chuck mcgansky and friends and next week fuck you <laughs> uh yeah so what i want to talk about on this show i know um we're about to enter i would i'm gonna guess some sort of like hibernation period for our friends up in the north and parts of the east if they haven't started already there's already been snow it's been um i mean the flood started a a few weeks ago in some parts but man uh, already narissa i think and uh chris singsheim even though i saw him drag racing i think they were saying they'd seen snow already and there's a few people that we follow uh like miss langland and stuff up in um i think she's in michigan or Minnesota, and they also had snow. And then uh, one of our buddies that I follow in Oregon also had snow. So it's like all around us right now. Wow, already? However, Greeley, you guys are like uh, 60 degrees today, right? Uh, <coughs> it was kind of chilly today. I think by the weekend it gets back up to that. Yeah, it's it's freakish. It's um, I'm not going to complain about it, that's for sure. Yeah, but it's not like cold of winter already coming like for everybody else. Um, no. Yeah. So we've I'm, we've had some um, really, you know, us personally for SoCal and a lot of the West Coast, we've been having Santa Ana's for the last couple weeks. And that fire that you mentioned last week, Jay, mm-hmm. we might even hit on it in our uh, follow-up from last week's show, part two. But yeah, it still is raging. I didn't know that. I had no idea. But when you were riding up to Babes Ride Out, it was blowing over on you, and that fire yeah. is still going. Yeah. Do you remember? It's crazy th- because it was getting hot, and then it was getting insanely cold. So it was just so <laughs> back and forth. It was really, really yeah stressful on my body. So if you're looking for some hot, dry weather, come on out to California because uh, it's like really warm today and really dry i felt like i needed to drink seven gallons of water but for everybody else it's already winter time and a little bit early so i wanted to ask you guys are there uh get our go around the table and hit our top five cities uh places we would like to go to get away from the winter time um and for us, we're going to have to pretend we have winter, Jay. We're going to have to, like, <laughs> use theater of the mind. Before we do all this, I do want to pick a word of the week, though. And how this week's, how the word of the week's going to work, um, we, we didn't do it last week. Uh, with Wiggins, I think we forgot. Or maybe Wiggins was the last time we actually did pick one. I forget, but we need to get on this because I got some really good challenges. Um, and to make it fair, since we have MotoGP on the line... Um, we're going to do it this way. I'm going to pick a word out of the can real quick. You guys talk amongst yourselves. 
All right, you guys are doing horrible at talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put the words in a hat and mix them up, and then I'm going to let Jay, actually, I'll let you pick the word, Jay. Sweet. And then how this week's word of the week is going to work is we will get the word. We won't get the consequence until somebody says it. Says it? Yeah, that's <laughs> my okay, me I'll English try not good. Okay, <laughs> So pick the word. Uh, I'll check it off my cross list. Okay, got Crossed it. it off my checklist. So, am I supposed to look at it? I'm backwards. Everything's saying yeah. So I'm exempt, right? This gives me nope. immunity. Nope. Nope. Well, I should. If I know it, then it's easy for me. Well, to... tell us all the word. Oh, oh! Everybody gets to find yeah. out. It is electric. Okay, the word is electric, and we won't know what the punishment is until we say the word. So it could be. Bad or it could be terrible because <laughs> there's no good punishments in that can right there. So electric is the word. So um, we're going we're gonna, to uh, actually post on social media what uh, the follow through so people know that we're not just BSing when we uh, do our punishment. So MotoGP, you're going to have to do the same. If you say the word and uh, we, we say, you know, hey, you just said the word of That's the week. That's going to be hard because I wanted to talk about <laughs> Something okay. That well, then later, you better but... word your word your yeah. discussion discreetly. So from this point on, uh, once once Jay has said the magic word, uh, it is now taboo to say. Well, it's not taboo, but you're going to get a punishment, and you don't know if it's good or bad. So, you got it. And are you willing to play along with us on this? Got it. Now I'm talking to MotoGP. Oh, oh yeah, I'm always gay. <laughs> All right. And you promise to fully follow through with the punishment and post to social media that you have indeed fulfilled said uh, punishment for saying word of the week. <laughs> That's what so I'm looking on for. on my honor, I will do my duty to God, do my best. You are a Boy Scout. You don't know it, but I'm putting two fingers up above my right eyebrow. <laughs> I was going to say, two fingers you, up your butt. <laughs> uh, that's one of the punishments. <laughs> do you know what those two fingers represent? You do, because you just... Oh, it's, it's, I do, it's but, been a um, while. It has been a while. Yeah. Because it's three fingers for Boy Scouts, it's two for Cub Scouts. Yeah. Um, is it... Um, is it God and country or duty and honor? Something like that. You got me. That's yeah, why I was asking. I have, a, I have a meeting tomorrow and I need to know it. So I was asking for some help. So, <laughs> but anyway, let me read you this list. I just, I follow this dumb blog that's always sending me travel stuff and I used to throw it in my trash box, but now I'm like, you know what? Motorcyclists might actually get something out of this blog. You like how I said that like Seinfeld? So what is with that? So I'm going to tell you. Hey, this segment really, really sucked. So I'm going to edit some of it out. And the parts I leave in, I'm going to shift them to one and a half times. Engage Time Warp. Um, they have a list of the top six cities that are making a comeback from the brink. And uh, the brink of what? Well, the brink extinction of population. Uh, but Is we're that in New Mexico? Uh, yeah. And there's a town called Pueblo in Mexico. And probably a state called Pueblo. Anyway. Uh, well, Pueblo, Colorado. It's just a bunch of call centers. Oh, that's what it is. That's, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, Jay, it's not New Mexico. It's um, Colorado. Well, I'm sure there's probably a Pueblo in There's New probably Mexico. a Pueblo in California, too. <laughs> Uh, the first word is Northwest. The second word is white supremacist. <laughs> the third word, uh, elk. Uh, snow. I'm so confused. Are these like hints? Yeah, what city do you think I'm talking about? North Carolina. And college. No Northwest. North Carolina. Uh, you know, you're, are you worse, worse at geography than me? Yeah. Even I know North Carolina's I know above Washington. Washington. I think so. I think it's a small place. 
New Jersey. Not far away, the palatial. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what part of Northwest and New Jersey goes together? You're, you're... Oh, you know what? I don't know why. I can't get even... <laughs> uh, This is better than... No wonder you were laughing at me. I, this my is brain is than, broken today. Right, this is better than I regular creative things. writing could ever be. So, if I have to think of places that sound like they were fucked up just a few years ago and are now on the comeback, <laughs> I'm just going to say Beaverton, Oregon. <laughs> Wait, how can you have Boise State? Wouldn't it be Idaho State? Let me see. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense at Boise State. Um, I, I might have been... genius. Brain geniuses over here. <laughs> Did you know they have the Boise River and the Boise River Greenbelt? Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's a college town home to the Boise State University. The That's smaller... Called, it is called they Boise did State. say Boise State. Maybe they call Idaho. Maybe Idaho is the Boise State. In fact, if you guys have ever watched the Kentucky Fried movie, this was a threat. You know, one guy would one guy was going to get, like, whipped 50,000 times and have his arms cut off. And the next guy, they said, send him to this city. And he's like, no, not that. <laughs> Do you guys... Have you watched the Kentucky Fried movie? So number three on our list is basically like Detroit of the central, uh, I guess you would call it the Midwest or the, the Mideast. Um, I remember seeing pictures of Detroit and this next city, which is Pittsburgh. Uh, literally, it says Pitts right in the, in the name. Hey, it appears that we lost the last couple uh, cities of, uh, what was it, Bend, Oregon, and I forget the last one. But uh, that's just as good, just as well. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Um, where would you guys like to go? Top five, and since there's only three of us, I'm gonna let you guys give two, and I'll give one. So let's start with Jay. Oh my God! Did any of us say the? Did I say the? Um, I heard it. Secret word. Okay, good. Which is uh, the word of the week? I don't want to say it. Um, so yeah, where do you? Uh, um, just right mine off- is a place that I've actually been to before, but I never went there on a motorcycle. I did it um, when I was in college. I had a work um, work study job, and I was basically contracted as a student worker through the USDA and um, Forest Service. So we worked alongside Forest. Is that Service. the University of Southern Delaware Amstead? No. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna cue up that the just fuck. Flat. I am gonna cue up the crickets right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really tired. I don't even have the energy to like chuckle. You want more coffee? If more coffee yeah, means more, more laughs, coffee. I will yeah. definitely get you some. I will definitely take some more coffee. Okay. Um, but no. So when I worked, this job was really awesome because okay. I got to see the inside workings of the Forest Service and um, travel a lot. And um, see kind of what they do and how they do it and going into forests. So like uh, fire lines, you know, when uh, the president was talking about how no one takes care of the fire lines and that's why all these fires are happening. Well, that's number one. It's not true. And number two, that was part of our job. That's what we would literally do is we would travel around and clear the fire lines, basically carry a... a, a, Machete and a pole saw. We would chop down... um, I think they did this on a Throttle Out episode as well, but it was for writing. It was like writing on fire roads. They cleared a bunch of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they cleared a bunch of brush. Every Every time I see the roads i always think like that that'd be awesome if they let us ride on them if we did trail maintenance oh, or yeah, like you can that's oh. it's a volunteer that's motorcycles what though yes, yes oh snap if you're a motorcyclist you can do it you just volunteer and you there's like a first contact person they literally have like you just have to be able to strap a chainsaw to your bike and then just that's what you do yeah it's pretty, it's all based on volunteers so it's a lot clearing a lot of the brush there because there's not enough people to pay you know, so yeah. anyways. I'll go you one better. I will put a chainsaw on my chain 
a chainsaw blade, and I will get like um, some big old chop saw wheels and just put them on my wheels, and I will just ride through the forest. No, you just gotta full, go full. What is it? Army of Darkness, Army of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, just just strap it. it. Cut your arm off, and then just there you go. Meld the chainsaw onto That's what your I'm arm. Do. That so where badass. is this place? So this place is called Jemez Springs in New Mexico, mm. and this is little tiny sleepy town. And I had never been to New Mexico before, and I was associated with the desert, but it was actually the most gorgeous place I've been to besides uh, Hawaii. MMG. MMG. Yeah. Um, but just uh, very magical. The trees, really narrow, two-lane road, like one way in, one way out. And all the trees were basically, it was like driving through a canopy. Yeah. And um, really narrow road. And then there was like this little tiny cemetery because the town was so small. Sounds like Pete's driveway. <laughs> but it, but the cemetery looked like something that should be like an Elvis Presley. Uh, what's the ranch that... Oh, Graceland? Yeah, it, lo- it had such a Graceland vibe. Chicken um, sandwich there land? There were, like, um, <laughs> Christmas lights in the cemetery and um, just all sorts of, like, bedazzled uh, gravestones. It was really odd but super fascinating and cool. That and makes spooky spoke sound not so spooky anymore. <laughs> but uh, it was so campy. Headstone. I felt like it was in a... a, a God, Yosemite believe. is what it sounds like you're describing. Yeah, it's it was, like, a campy area, but... Um, I would love to ride through that area, and I would love to do it on a bike that doesn't use gasoline, <laughs> because that would be really cool to experience it in silence. And um, can't you just coast on the banana? It's still loud because you know yeah. that muffler. Or something That's got true. knocked loose. Yeah. <laughs> it's farting around. You all ever the time. see Kingpin? Tell me you saw Kingpin. I, I have, but I do not remember. It was. I'm gonna go take a dump, Tiger. You knocked something loose. <laughs> Um, so yeah, what about you? And what type of bike doesn't make any sound? Um, the ones that, you know, they have the battery. <laughs> okay. I thought I was kind of good. Um, okay. Moving on. MotoGP. So this is where I want to ride to avoid the cold, right? Okay. Whoops. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because when you first brought this to me, you were like, where do you want to ride? I was like, oh, my gosh, so many places. So I'm going to say Cancun. I've had this crazy idea for the longest time. I want to get a group of guys together, and we'll just fly like kids, wives, girlfriends, whatever, down to Cancun. And this is how you you sell the trip, right? So you're going to bring the family with you. Well, you just send them on a plane. Okay. Down to Cancun, right? And you, it takes a week, about a week. So this is like a family, family friendly spring break. (laughs) Well, it's it's kind of tricky to get a kitchen pass to go ride for three weeks to Cancun and back, right? Mm. You know, if you have a significant other or kids, you're like, so I'm gonna like ride my motorcycle to Cancun. They sort of look at you like, are you fucking high? Mm -hmm. So, so this the idea was, um, you know. Send, send every, you know, because it's pretty easy to, to sell an idea with everyone's going to Cancun, right? So you ride down there, you spend a week at a resort, and then a week to ride back. So mm-hmm. you get to do a Cancun thing, but you get to see real Mexico on the way down there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone's all like, well, Mexico's dangerous and everything. I'm like, well, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a whole country filled with yeah. normal people. Yeah. Like, it can't yeah. be that don't, bad. Don't and, watch you know, uh, too much news. And if I was if I was some sort of um, 
criminal whose idea was to you know prey on tourists. I don't know if hanging out on the side of a highway in the middle of central Mexico looking for white people to rip off would really be a great you know that's not the best fishing hole, right? Yeah. So, so I'd love to to ride down to, to Cancun and just see real Mexico on the way there would mm. be would be my number one if I had the the current means and everything set up to do it. That's what I'd love to do. What about bike? What type of bike would you want to use? Oh, wow. Um, it's got to be something with great suspension and lots of storage. So I'm going to have to go so Harley with... Harley Road King? <laughs> no, no. I'd have to go with something with a wishbone front suspension. So like a BMW K model or a hmm. new Goldwing. Okay. No, uh, no GS. No, I, I, you know the the adventure bike thing. It's just not my style. Mm. And uh, so you're gonna I'd stick to do... more like paved road areas. Yeah, I, I feel like just going through Mexico on just the uh, the established beaten path, just for starters, is gonna be good enough. We can do Baja some other time. Okay, and so would the family also be riding? Like, are you riding two up or what? Fuck no! It's me and Swiggy and whoever else is a decent writer. <laughs> so the writer families you just time. like peace out, leave them at the resort, and then you guys have all the fun. <laughs> well, they'll have more fun at the resort. That's, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's hilarious. So where did you say I was getting Jay more coffee? Thank you, by the way. Where did you? You you said Mexico, he, huh? He said Cancun. Cancun, very good. I like that. You know, have you ever driven in Mexico? I haven't. Yeah. That's why I want to go. Yeah. I have to say that, uh, well, first off, I have to say that I think that coffee's going to spill because I don't think I put that thing on there straight. Um, secondly, I, I would also drive to Mexico, uh, but not Cancun. I, the place I have been is um, the, the state of Yucatan well, and the state of uh, Quintana Roo and Campeche. And my wife and I went there before, like right when we got married, actually, um, I guess it was like our honeymoon, you could say. We went and we drove through the jungles where the Native Americans still are predominantly, um, I mean, they still speak whatever the Native American languages were, whatever the Mayan and uh, I don't even know what they call the people, but I think they call them, I think it's something like Nahuatl um, or something like that. I forget exactly what the natives are called, what the native uh, languages are called, but it's basically what the Aztecs, whatever they call the uh, Aztecs. Aztec wasn't like the name, I guess, that the Aztecs called themselves. So make a long story short, like going down into the jungles, even though I speak pretty good Spanish living in SoCal and um, working with like a lot of uh, Mexican dudes, I learned the actual Spanish that people speak in, in Mexico instead of the school Spanish. And it's still, there were parts where people we're talking in like the Mayan uh, dialects and stuff. And then you go down there and you see some people that literally uh, don't look very, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Hispanic. They don't look um, like not anglicized. Yeah. Yeah. Colonialized. I don't, I was the word I'm looking for is not anglicized, but yeah, like Spanish, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have like zero, more indigenous. zero Spanish blood. Right. And that is actually the parts that I enjoyed the most because you're riding through the forest, you're going past a cinder block house with like no plumbing and they're out there just hacking sugarcane down in the fields, but you're driving through what 
America looked like before settlers, basically. And then you get into the towns, like Campeche, uh, for sure, is um, very, very, very Spanish and very huge um, colonial Spanish buildings that obviously look like they were built in the 1500s. The fort is still there from the 1500s, and it's still in the town square. And the cannons and all that great stuff is still there exactly like the Spanish left it. The one thing that um, Mexico does a lot, even the, even Mexico City, is they build on top of old um, ruins. So like there's Aztec temples like literally right below Mexico City and just outside Mexico City. There's like uh, pyramids and all sorts of great stuff that you can drive to five minutes from like one of the most, you know, the presidential palace or whatever, right? So imagine going into these backwoods places, you will literally see a lump and you'll say, oh, that's a weird looking hill, like in the middle of nowhere. And you, if you were to go over and dig down about six feet, it's a temple. There are so many uh, ruins that they haven't even ex- excavated them all. And the one that I went to, <clears throat> my wife and I went to that we were most impressed by, like Chichen Itza, full on tourist trap. Like it was crazy. Like it's a, it's been... Uh, since it was discovered, it's been totally um, Walt Disney eyes, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. uh, Ushmal hasn't, and there's no, there's no, you don't pay to go in. You just, you drive up, and there's like a wooden sign that somebody's painted that says Ushmal, and here you're sitting at like uh, uh, the, some uh, city that predates like Roman civilization, you know what I'm saying? But the architecture is just crazy. They had like, um, they had observatories that look like almost modern observatories, you know, that are round, that have like weird things. They're, the Mayans were like crazy into the stars and into the sun and all this stuff. And so everything's based around that and the architecture and carving these enormous, enormous stones is just nuts. So I would agree. Cancun has some of that, but you can go east into the or west into the jungles from Cancun and I could drive up into like Ushmal and drive west and we could meet in the middle and there's nothing like driving in Mexico because people drive really, really respectfully, actually. But then you get into a town and it's like 95% bicycle traffic <laughs> and pedestrian traffic and five or six cars, even in Campeche, and which is a pretty big town by, you know, rural Mexican standards. And you're literally like... Uh, you feel like you're crowd surfing. You can't go left or right like an inch or you'll run over a pedestrian or a bicyclist. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I'm going to, um, it wouldn't necessarily need to be Cancun. Like Puerto Vallarta would work just as well. The idea would be to go and spend a few days in some sort of place that Americans typically go, but go there in a very un-American way. Oh, yeah, Don't for sure. Don't just fly in and take a taxi, see Mexico yeah. on the way. That's And that would be the whole point. You tell people, oh, yeah, I went to Puerto Vallarta. And they're like, oh, really? What'd you do? Like, what restaurants did you go to? Did you go to this place where I know the bartender? Because we have, like, a time share there. And you're like, no, we yeah. didn't do any of that yeah. shit. <laughs> we, we ate at a bunch of roadside stands and all that. That would be the point. Here's the deal. When you go to Mexico, know a little Spanish because it's – pretty mandatory you're in spain right it's like you know coming to america no you're not in spain you're in i'm mexico. sorry yes you're in mexico <laughs> you're in mexico you're in uh, colonial spain it's almost like driving uh some french person expecting to drive through like uh kansas and be like hey like i does anybody 
and you hear and understand me, I'm lost. Uh, so, I've heard so many people who have had great experiences. But listen, I mean, it's right. more of a trope that people use. As oh, a no, Mexico's great. Mexico's great. The, I mean, there's just like, there's like the Detroit of Mexico that you would want to stay out of, but like more people get killed in Chicago every weekend yeah, than they the do in Mexico. Yeah, the thing is, don't be a mark. Like anywhere you go, like I visited San Francisco and it's like, there were hustlers and oh, yeah. you would see them. They they would find the marks in the crowd and then that's who they would hustle. Yeah. And that's in America, you know? So there's always going to be hustlers everywhere you go. Just you have to know what to look for. You have to be skeptical. You have to... Don't go in there stupid and naive with like rose-tinted glasses. There's going to be people who are trying to... Mm. You know, get money off of you or whatever. Probably, probably in the like where he's talking about Puerto Vallarta, probably, and in Campeche and Mexico City for sure. But you go to places like I went to out in the jungle, and it's like they're still very survivalist. Where like, hey, I need you to help me with this. So. Right, and it's different because if it's not a tourist area, they're not used to that. And yeah. It's usually from what I've heard, the people are actually super friendly because they're curious. Oh yeah, they're very. It's friendly. not because that's why they call it a tourist trap. Is because. They have tourists coming all the time, so it's just like, okay, we don't want these people here, but if they're going to be here, we're going to fucking get what we need to survive while they're here. You know the best part so about I just had, oh, I just had this flash in my mind where Jay starts her own second podcast just called Don't Be a Mark. <laughs> <laughs> listen to that show. Yeah. Oh, believe me. And I you, have so you, many stories. You only have guests you, called Mark call in, You though. have no idea. I have been through... <laughs> I'm a little five-foot-one white girl, but I have been in some scenarios that would make, yeah, you, the hair in the back of your neck. It's just trim. like I've Jay been, walking through I've, the tenderloin with like 50 street, bucks hanging out of her I've, pocket. I've got some street smarts, <laughs> that's for sure. I've had guns pulled on me multiple times. I've got lots of stories. Lots and lots of stories. Yeah, but they say... You go looking for trouble, you find trouble. Oh yeah, you? that's Come usually on. why why that happens. <laughs> so let's uh, you know to to put a to put a bow on this. Um, since we both picked Mexico, Pete. Well, I wanted to, or can we say one more? We, yeah, we're going to go around okay. again, but I did want to say, for because I'm sure we're not going to mention Mexico again, they have this thing called the Green Angels in Mexico. So if you get a flat tire or you get lost or you anything happens, you there's road signs all over the country. There's signs with this number, and you call, and they come out, and they, oh, are you lost? Here's where to go, or you need ga- you ran out of gas. Because like we found out as we were driving through there, through the jungles, there's not many gas stations. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you... Uh, tour around but you know one of the and and the second thing i want to say is you take a um anything over like 350 there and you are the man so you take your nighthawk or your superhawk mm-hmm. down there yep and or your fatura oh yeah and you're the bomb because like they ride mostly 250s down yeah. there yeah um and jay so yeah let's move on to you second uh so kind of tying off of that but um so i've been to warsaw poland before and so we were talking about, like, you know, going to Mexico and getting, you know, hustled and all of that stuff. And, like, you know, just do it smartly. Well, I had a different Don't experience. Don't be a mark. Don't be a mark. But there was something different. <laughs> I would like to go back and do it on a motorcycle because um, I the original reason I was there was to visit Auschwitz because of them. I have family, Jewish heritage, that um, my gra- great uncle lost his entire family in Auschwitz. And um, I took a taxi to get to the to get to the airport, and um, he decided to give me an entire tour uh, unsolicited. And I had an experience where a, a police officer was blocking off the roads, 
and randomly for no reason and basically started questioning the taxi driver about why I was there. And so for me, this wasn't a necessarily don't be a mark situation. Um, there was this energy that I think, and maybe I was probably, um, you know, what confirmation bias or whatever, but it definitely was affecting me because we were driving past businesses and, and places, residential, residential places that had giant swastikas that had been spray painted on them freshly. And um, I know the history of that area that it was once like over 60% Jewish population and now it's less than like 2%. And so having been on the grounds of Auschwitz and then seeing the land and like there's still uh, memorials or there's still like uh, just landmarks, you know, old abandoned military um, uh tanks and and aircraft carrier whatever uh artillery whatever and uh i would like to do it on a motorcycle just because the experience that i had in the taxi was really really visceral and really strong and i would like to do it on the motorcycle but i'm almost like i would have to be in a really strong mental place to do that type of trip because the emotions of the first trip time that i was there were very very overwhelming um, to to see all of the atrocities of history literally with my own eyes. It was unbelievable. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it was just crazy because before the podcast, we were talking about how like the 80s and 90s is kind of making a, a comeback. I remember when we first got into Poland and we were driving late at night to get to the hotel and there are these two girls like standing out this side of this discotheca and they looked like they were straight out of 1989 and they were not dressing that way to look cool. It was such a mind fuck because it was like, that's what they thought was cool because, you know, especially like in a lot of other countries, when they um, get, when they finally get a hold of American culture, it's like a decade or two decades behind and so, oh yeah, like that scene in Eurotrip where he's like, "We just got Miami Vice yes, on television." Yes, and these two chicks—they had their hair <laughs> up sounds in like, like Arkansas too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, they had their hair up in these scrunchies. <laughs> they had these high-waisted shorts, and it was like twenty degrees outside. They had these like neon-colored like nineteen eighties puffy jackets. O M G. <laughs> and they had it was I I it was just messing with my brain because. You know, I've lived in L.A. where there's chicks that dress just like that, but it's like they're hipsters and they're tr they have an affect to it. Like they know what they're doing. But these two women or girls, I don't even know how old they were. That was what they believed was new and cool and what was hip and happening over in America, because that's what the culture that they were exposed to when it had, um, you know, seeped into whatever uh, when we ex when we crafted our export to Poland, yeah. So um, I would like to ride my motorcycle definitely back in that area again and explore more and experience it. But it would that would be a really it wouldn't be necessarily one of the trips that's like fun and and you know like a, an adventure. I think it would be one of those like okay. Oh, you I'm, don't think you'd have a magical romp through Auschwitz? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I mean if I did, I think I might need to reassess what's going on with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I would like to to do that just because you know being on a motorcycle is already very visceral and the, the, it's a beautiful area. That's what was messing with my mind is it was so 
picturesque. The sky yeah. was so blue. The trees were so green. And then you just see this barbed wire fence and millions of people were murdered there. And just to think those two like ideas juxtaposed against each other, it was intense. It was crazy. All right. Um, okay, take a seat. All right. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ma- the <laughs> magical jaunt through Auschwitz. <laughs> we should do a, you know, we should do a group ride down to the Museum of Tolerance, Jay. Like, let's, let's get all of our friends together. Well, the reason I thought of that was because I was thinking spooky. Like, it, I had yeah. this very spooky. I feeling. bet that would be kind of spooky. It was, it, it was like a hostile. You know, when the cop pulled pulled me over in the taxi, it was a very hostile moment. The way yeah. that he was looking and negotiating with the taxi driver, I was like, okay, I'm gonna disappear into some. I human just trafficking had a, thing. I just had a conversation today with the Armenian woman that uh is pretty funny one of the funniest people i know and she said i said you know when i first moved here to pasadena we lived between two armenian families and one spoke like persian armenian one spoke um arabic armenian you know and uh i always thought they were fighting and yelling at each other and they were just talking and she started cracking up she's like yeah that's just how they they were probably saying like hey do you know where the um so like where my shirt is and it just sounds like they're screaming at each other it could have been that the cop the taxi driver was lost and the cop was telling him where to get there and you just said you don't speak polish it sounded like he was taking to to get murdered in the back of some you know the set of hostel hostel three or whatever um well, no, he was they were negotiating a bribery it was a I bribery got you. thing he was gonna sell <laughs> your organs very much a yeah. bribery thing I, yeah yeah sweet well don't get your organs sold uh, Pete, let's wrap it up. You uh, take us home, baby. Um, last place you would want to ride to escape this cold, and it can't be anywhere in Mexico anymore. So this is going to sound a little crazy, but um, uh, I kind uh, so we rode to Vegas last year for the Amex. So I drove to Vegas last year for the Amex. But I'd like to do that again. But riding it was such an amazing ride, uh, drive. So riding to Vegas from uh, Denver would be fantastic, except I don't want to stop in Vegas because I'm. Re- I found out I'm really not a Vegas guy, so I would probably just keep going on and do that uh, famous L.A. to to Vegas stretch. Oh yeah, that gets talked about so much. I know it's a boring, you know, seven oh, yeah. hours on the road or whatever, but it's just one of those things. <laughs> hey, wait, 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 wait. And this is this is the one ride I'd love before to you go any right further. There. Before you go any further, it, it's like less than four hours. Oh, <laughs> First really? of all, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but it makes it sound like it's this endless, like, because before, like, that's how it so feels. It's so boring. It's like just nothing's around. It's just desert. And hit some traffic, and yeah, it is seven hours, I guess. And then there's uh, speed traps. Those motherfuckers will pop you. You like you? Yeah, yeah. My but, brother was coming over from Vegas. His his ex wife was driving, and uh, they got a speeding ticket for 108 miles an hour because yep. there's literally nothing that's that's how they make their bread and butter dude. yeah there's so there was on just on instagram as one of my the guys that i follow got popped yeah by a chp and the guy he was like you know what i don't want to do this but i, I gotta <laughs> i gotta do my job i got a quota you know so. you know what though pete since it is only yep. four hours it's not one of those things where you have to like plan on moto camping on the side of the road to get here but Unless leave at midnight in my case where yeah. we got stuck out in the middle of this. oh yeah but but it is actually interestingly enough it is one of those cool fun rides you get to pass the craziest named road in california 
you get to go past um, all the crazy stuff coming Anything out of Vegas. Zizix, yeah, Zizix. And if you know the history of Zizix, it's actually kind of cool. Uh, so that's something I've wanted to talk about before on the show. But there's also this weird new um, solar farm out there. You, go, you guys know what that's for, right? They, that big solar farm out there? It's for the CIA to <laughs> connect to all of the implants in oh, their okay. It just takes all that power straight back to underneath the Denver airport. Like, <laughs> yes, what? it does. What is it about? Like, what? I was trying it's to get you guys to say the word 51. of the week. I was trying to get you guys to say the word of the week. Oh. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is powers. <laughs> it powers Lucifer's eyes. They just pump it back all the, to Denver. But um, no, there is, like, this weird solar farm out there that's brand new that uh, I didn't know what it was the first time I saw it, and then I, then I realized what it is. So you get a pass that and you get to pass these weird houses that you'll it'll be the only house that you see for about 80 miles and you're like who the f lives out there and when i look at google maps why does it look like they have a mansion in the middle of the desert and it's like did they buy this and they're just hoping that in you know the next hundred years as the city of la and vegas eventually meet due to urban sprawl (laughs) like they're gonna have the prime real estate right in between the two massive metropolises and uh yeah it's there's really some wacky stuff out there plus there's some pioneer stuff out there um I think it still exists. I think there's like a weird bar out there that you can only get to if you're on a dirt bike or something like that. And the LA Barstow to Vegas off-road uh, event and probably isn't there, stops there's by that it. one where the throttle out episode where they did um, paintballs with zombies. There's like zombies that you go oh. ride at night and then zombies attack you and you have paintballs and you ride this like little 250 dirt bike around and try that to get sounds like something to do in vegas yeah <laughs> and there's way less rules in vegas and if you hook a hard right right when you get, when you're leaving vegas you go out to pahrump which was like the most classiest motorsports park ever that never turned into anything because it uh, i think it got closed down for noise regulations um, before it even got started i i could be totally wrong and it could be still in operation but uh, I think it might have got closed down or turned private or something like that. But that would be – if you ever do that, call me up because literally uh, it's a four-hour ride to meet you in Vegas. We could do the the big – we could big-time everybody in Vegas, pretend like we're somebody as we lose all our money and are, are eventually forced to camp out on the side of the road on the way back to Los Angeles. <laughs> that would be good. That's not a bad idea. Like, it, um, I mean, I don't have any time until like – April probably. Yeah. But, well, that's a good time know, to do um, it. It actually gets pretty cold out there in the winter. Right. The idea is uh, again, I'm not a Vegas guy, and this and uh, I, I kind of next year at some point in the, in the next year, year and a half, I want to get a Road King. I just need to know what it's like to own a Harley for a year. And I've I've, I've thought to myself, well, what's the kind of ride that I want for this? Okay, and I, I can thought, explain this that is to the you. Perfect ride, Denver, because because like you said, the 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 LA to um, to Vegas is this boring ride, but there's something about a road king I feel can make four hours of just straight line. Did you really get a, palatable? Did you get a new one or or, or a used one? Well, no, I don't have one. I want to. Get oh, okay. One. Okay. I want to trade out the Superhawk for a Harley, and you know, a used one. I, I kind of the, actually the one that um, uh, Cleveland Moto just Phil got from Cleveland Moto is like exactly what I want, an, an old Evo. Road King would be the perfect thing. And, Are you going to do be one yeah. of those guys that gets the whole stereo system set up and just blares your like Billy Billy Joel while you're riding down the highway? 
No, no. I want. I, I just want like the the stereotypical sort of just simple road king. Just just two hard boxes, the windscreen. That's it. Okay, because all know? the road kings all out here. That's how it's set up. <laughs> that's how it's set up. You see all these guys and their radio is louder than the the motorcycle, which is really 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 go loud. Full in to be the full Harley guy. I I, th- I just need to experience the bike yeah, for a year. You just and, need to ride. Will you at is. least have to wear? A Harley leather jacket that says Harley on the back. I will not accept you saying you want the Harley experience until you wear the Harley apparel on the bike. That is mandatory. Comes from the- if it's got body armor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get the leather one. It says like it's got orange and black, and it says Harley Davidson on the back. And if it has a screaming eagle on it, you'll definitely win my respect. Or you're, you're, yeah, you're good in my book. Like if, if it's you're just, gonna do it, you gotta go full bore, man. Come on. You're good in my book if it just has the number one on the back. But you're even more, to excuse me, to me, you're even more pimp if you wear a full face because there's no Harley guy that would wear a full face. And if you wear, a full oh, I would face, totally do the Harley guy with a full face. Absolutely. Yeah. Other than that, it's like the when I see those guys, I I literally do a double take because I'm just like, okay, what's the story? What is your deal? There's something about that person. There's always something that's is different. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they came from a different uh, genre of bike or, or a different dimension, class of bike or whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> those guys always trip me out. I'm just like, wait a minute, what? You're not wearing flip flops and a Hawaiian shirt? Come on. Yeah. Well, hey guys, we have we're gonna wrap up this uh, part, and I probably will edit some of the stupid stuff I said out. Maybe I'll leave it in as punishment. But um, I don't think we said word of the week yet. And uh, we're going to get into part two of Jay. We're going to find out, Jay, did you actually ride up with somebody at Babe's Ride Out? We can't. I, we left off with a cliffhanger last week. Don't tell us because uh, they're going to find out in dun, a minute. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But um, with that, we're going to go on to uh, part two right now. And then we'll come back with some sign-offs and some good timings. All right. Hang on. <laughs> well, that doesn't even make sense. Hang on. We'll be right back. Last week, when we left off with Jay in part one, she was just about to describe to us this palpable feeling, this change, not only in the atmosphere, but probably yourself. And this is where I think Jay benefits from therapy on two wheels. Right now, we're going to stop and take a break and let her finish part one uh, of her Babes Ride Out story that she started last week. There is a vibe that changes it once chills. you leave LA County yeah. it is literally a different feeling like all of the various different road trips that I've taken northeast south from where we live it, there's just this point where you leave LA County with whatever direction you're going but you leave LA County and the feeling changes like yeah. it's less for me it just feels less oppressive like I feel I just kind of I literally breathe a sigh yeah. of relief because it feels more relaxed. <laughs> yeah. I bet you the Santa same. Santa Cruz, right? Have you ever ridden in Santa Cruz? Never ridden, it, but it I mean, I've driven through there. It was really, it was, it was really be- beautiful. Yeah. It, it reminds it me a bad. lot of San Francisco, only the like. The drivers are really chill. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were, they are actually, huh? Yeah. In San Francisco, man, one time, you know, in LA here, you always like drive out into the street so you can see past the parked cars at who's coming. <laughs> and I did that in San Francisco once, and the dude yelled, You're blocking the 
the uh, the ramp, you know, he he about had a cow because like I was I pulled out because I couldn't see past the parked cars, but I didn't want to like pull out and get hit, you know, t-boned. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, like it's a whole vibe of like pedestrian and yeah. Car. I just want to say if anyone's listening to this and they're like they think that um, both of us are exaggerating, I want you to go to Instagram. I want you to go to a, an account that's called What a Dick Move L A. Okay, all <laughs> one. Word, like it's all, no spaces. What a dick move, L.A. And there are, I've submitted videos. They've posted up videos of my experiences. That one experience of that guy who crossed four lanes of oh, yeah. traffic and tried to run me off the freeway and was like flipping me off. I, I put, they posted my video. But if you go to that Instagram account, it is basically just videos, kind of like how there's Florida man shit. <laughs> this is the L.A. version yeah. of drivers. Like um, just craziness and there's this one video i watched recently this guy was in a car going smashing forwards and backwards forwards and backwards just hitting the cars back and forth and then just sped off in the the red light and he was like freaking out and but this is stuff that i literally have seen on a daily basis we were talking about claustrophobia earlier (laughs) it's a mofo it treats people people deal with it in different ways some people smash back and forth to make a room till they can go through the The thing is is what i tell people because i've people have like come out to visit and i tell them i'm just like look if you're gonna ride in la don't do it when you're tired don't do it when you're distracted pay attention yeah go slower like make yourself visible if possible and don't ride above what you feel comfortable because literally there's been times where the minute I start to like relax myself and I'm like, oh, this feels calm. Out of nowhere, someone will just fucking pop up. Yeah. You know, and it's just, that's the part of the stress where you get PTSD because yeah. it's like you try to calm down and then out of nowhere, something crazy happens. It's yeah. gnarly. It's nuts. It's funny because um, last weekend, no, two weekends ago when me and Wiggins went riding, he was so honking at the cars in front of us and I was like dude let's just wait for them like it's a it's a rainy day already let's just wait for them to move out of the way because we're not going to charge this mountain at 100% although Mm -hmm. we ended up we did end up going pretty fast I think uh, he was surprised I lost him on the SCR I was surprised I lost him on the VFR yeah Uh, but also he'd never ridden that bike before so and I and I ride that mountain all the time but the funny thing is is like I was like dude Wiggs is that guy right now but he's on the motorcycle like honking at this big old (laughs) uh Chevy Silverado to pull over and I was like dude I'm wigs. so bad because I have that air horn on my bike yeah. and I just I I will let loose because it's just like so I, like on the way over here um since the injury if I had been riding, just let's just say hypothetically, if I had ridden over here, that new know, lift service for motorcycles is great. By the way, I saw yeah, you, I yeah, saw yeah. him drop you off and take off yeah, again. I thought was that was great. unique. But like, uh, just trying to ride calmer and um, it's pretty chill over here too. Well, don't you think? Yeah, like, it's a thing, little chiller. So I, if I was riding, I would have been riding calmer <laughs> and just seeing like cars just. Being slower and like just being more aware gives you the ability to kind of just yeah. You know, I don't. I wouldn't want anything to happen if I was you know on a motorcycle and and I had potentially a messed up ankle. And so, um, just the freeway was backed up like the six oh five, and you just see people out of nowhere. There was a you know where the lines break, and I seen this car. It just starts moving slowly, and you you know as yeah. as an experienced rider, there's things that you look for. You can tell. And they are just like, I don't, they're on their phone. Yeah. And so I pull up and I'm just like, I 
blare my air horn, but it's just like they were just, because it traffic slows down, and this happens all over. This isn't just a California thing, you know? When traffic slows down, people get bored, they pick up their phone, you know? And it's a really bad habit. But the thing is, is they just were not, they're in a vehicle that could kill somebody, <laughs> yeah. and they are like except for the pe- except for the people inside. Because I never get that cars are cars are being engineered so hardcore to protect the occupants, <laughs> so at least they won't die. Right. But you know, the funny thing is, having seen having experienced Ciclavia, and then you having experienced a different riding vibe up at up at Babes, makes me wonder. Like, do you think people will ever? move away from cars in LA like we're such a we're such a vehicle based you know society there's been a big conversation about that because of scooters because that was the whole argument that scooters were coming into um, Santa Monica and Venice because they're like, look, it's a small area. It's There's really uh, bottleneck zones. So, and a lot of times people, what's happening is they live a mile away from the store or wherever they want to meet their friends at the coffee shop. They're going to take their car, right? And so, um, but... I don't know if that's helped because then all of the scooters start driving like crazy, like on the sidewalk. Are you talking and about like stuff. the bird scooters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. But the thing is, is I was reading an article that they're saying that they hadn't noticed necessarily it improved. And, you know, I read an article a while back that said what happens is when you have those uh, mechanisms that are supposed to help and alleviate traffic, people start to realize, oh, there's less traffic and then more people get back in the yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. And then you're back in the same situation because they're like, oh, it's not busy. I'm going to go take my car somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I don't know. It's like an electrical know. here in LA, or not LA, but in California, we also have rolling blackouts and brownouts because the energy grid is so I taxed. Think, you know what I think it needs to happen? And this is why I'm so passionate about two wheels, whether it's bicycles or motorcycles. It has to be a head change. It has to be an yeah. attitude change. And that's the only way to do it until people start having those conversations because the number one thing I've always like end up talking to someone about motorcycles, even if it's a stranger and, you know, waiting in line for gas or whatever is that people, a lot of people are scared and they're scared. Like, because I would travel so much, so many guys would come up to me to talk about my bike, you know, and they're like, man, you got like balls of steel because I wouldn't want to ride around LA. And so it's just talking to them and like, Yeah. yeah. And so, it's really hard because it's like, how do you change that? Because it is dangerous. I'm not, I, I cannot lie that it's not dangerous. I have had three really bad motorcycle accidents based on like some of the scenarios of riding scenarios yeah. that are out there. So it's hard because it's like, how do you t- get people into the riding, but then get over that fear part? Yeah. Yeah. I it's, don't, it's really, I don't it's know. funny I don't for me because I don't, it's so weird because I don't feel like, Riding around LA is any more dangerous than riding around any other place. But I think part of that stems from the fact that I'm a confident rider in my own. I'm not, I don't even think I'm like the greatest rider either, but I definitely have confidence. Like, like I know what you're saying. You kind of get an intuition when you're riding about Mm -hmm. what people are going to do. And I trust that and I'm confident in it. And I've been splitting lanes and I just kind of slowed down by about three miles an hour, let's say. And 30 seconds later, five cars up, somebody goes over. Now, had I been doing three my, that extra three miles an hour, I would have been yep. up there somewhere. I might, I'm not saying I would have got hit, but I would have been closer to that situation. Then it's just something in your brain that's going, hey, this car's like moving or, or it kind of looks like they they went, they 
kind of scooched over in the lane like maybe they had looked over their shoulder and even un- unintentionally kind of like went over but they kind of look like they're going to be trying to yeah. do this yeah. the the dick move LA thing that a lot of people pull is going over the double yellows when there's oh, no cop around is it really times, a crime like, on the way over <laughs> like, here literally <laughs> oh, like yeah. it was just like I'm just prepared for it all yeah time. me too but, and it, but it's one of those things that you have to be confident and you have to trust in what your brain is telling you because it could happen at any moment and yeah. I don't know maybe I am also lucky I have no idea but I've never I just don't think driving in LA is that crazy what I will say is I don't take chances like on the 91 mm-hmm. on the 101 there's certain places I won't split because li- dude you, you're literally going to have two inches in between See, the cars that's the difference between me and a lot of other riders like I always seek out that like right. I'm like right. I love doing a wheelie no, do that little space you know what I love to do this is just like in my past, um, what I've done in the past. Is Ashley still maybe, listening? Is Ashley um, like... <laughs> oh, she gave me an upside down emoji. <laughs> thumbs down emoji. Yeah, she knows you're lying right now. <laughs> um, no, but see, the thing is, is like, I always see it as a challenge because on the way to work, I'd have to take like five freeways mm-hmm. to get from Long Beach to downtown LA. And there's this one area where there's, again, there's no shoulder. There's so many freeways, there's no shoulder. I know. So it's just squeezed in. Yeah. And like I said, you have these big trucks because there's all of these people transporting stuff mm-hmm. I worked in the fashion district oh, so you have box trucks yeah, you know, I yeah. got hit by a box truck in my on my second accident but I would love so I have always ride with side bags saddle bags because I'm always transporting shit and so a guy on like a Ducati would be in front of me and like uh, you know he's hot shit or whatever right so I see him splitting I'm like okay bro alright let's see what do you got what do you got so he's splitting I'm just following behind you know I'm just like and then he pushes out Cause there would be these two big trucks, like right next to each other. He pushed out. He like couldn't split through, and I was like, "Peace out, motherfucker. Watch this." And I rode through, and my side bags dragged across the sides of the truck. And I was like, "Yeah, motherfucker, take that. Suck it." Like I love that shit. Like that was fun to me. Because what do you think the people in the trucks were thinking? <laughs> they just laughed, dude. They're, so all, they're like, "Oh, I gotta get laugh. this for what a dick move, LA right now." This, this dude on that bike just scraped my truck. No, I know. Like, um, that's when I had the Harley. I was trying, I was thinking of ways I wanted to put spikes. I have oh, the, no. I wanted to put spikes. You know, uh, if anyone's in Houston, Texas, they have those things. I don't know if you've ever seen them on the hubcaps. Oh, yeah. There's these spikes that stick out like two feet. It's like a whole culture. It's a slab culture. Um, I wanted to do that on the motorcycle because I was just like, if I'm going to be splitting, these motherfuckers are going to have, you know, a battle scar if they're not going to move out of the fucking way. Because I, I, and Ashley just texted me. She's like, for me, it's always a competition. Yeah. But the but, only thing I could, the only problem I could see with that is that A, you wouldn't be able to corner very far with two feet things hanging down, especially in the front. Well, no, it's higher up. It was on oh. the, the, the stunt peg, or not the stunt pegs, the, the, the sliders Pat. that were oh, up yeah, the, where the top shocks, oh, shock I see, I is. See. Yeah. So it wouldn't affect the corner at all but you're still what if you hit that on a car and then you've got knocked over no the thing is if it, it would be the width uh just a little bit past the handlebars oh, okay so i would be able to split so it wouldn't be something like it would be something i could fit through but it would stick out just like an inch <laughs> or two more so that if they don't move 
this uh, the spike would and it could be made out of something that maybe um, has breakaway at a certain weight limit, a certain. Dude, you are crazy. <laughs> it would stick out just enough for me to no, commit misdemeanor property I damage. Have thought about this deeply. I have like like engineered it in my mind. Hey, times. wouldn't you rather just split and not get touched and not touch anybody else though? Like, wouldn't that be the ultimate yeah, dream? But where's the fun? Okay, I like okay, the I see, I see. I like the adrenaline. I that's see. what I was saying. Like when I would split, and that's where Ashley would get kind of mad because you're splitting with I'm, your knees out, dragging yeah, them on purpose like, on people's I'm, cars. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Uh, me and my buddy Sonia, who lives up in Monterey, we are like two peas in a pod because she is, <laughs> she's a maniac, and I fucking well, love her. How many and, times has Sonia crashed? <laughs> no, she hasn't. She wow. has a guardian angel. I was like, see what happened was your my guardian. Angel quit and like I guess joined and took over for her because she's like she's great. She's been really. I know good, what my so next piece of art's God gonna be. Her. It's gonna be your guardian angel saying. <laughs> F no, my this. guardian angel quit like a yeah. long time ago. It saw it saw me when I was like ten years old and was like, oh, this motherfucker's trouble. Yeah. <laughs> just had a hitchhiker thumb out. Yeah, but like for me, it's just like you said, confidence and like. um just awareness as a writer. And the interesting thing is like- And also causing property damage. (laughs) Being a little (laughs) bit of a hooligan. But um, like Ashley commutes, she would commute more miles than I would, but she was going- South and to Orange County. Yeah, and so well, Orange she, County is a different vibe. Yeah, too. but she would have like so she's commuting more miles, and she had um, the four hundred five, and the the you know the the lanes kind of split out fairly wide. It's at least listen three or four feet. Have you ever noticed? Oh yeah, have you ever noticed that once you it's three lanes out of L.A. I don't know about the four hundred five. The four hundred five might actually have more lanes in L.A., but on the like six hundred five and the five. It's only three lanes. Once you hit Orange County, all of a sudden it turns into like 12 lanes. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Orange yeah. County's got that cheddar. That- yeah, yeah. But yeah. it would be interesting because the first few times that she would ride with me to LA, like we would go to Lucky Wills. And like she, even though she's a confident rider, she's a skilled rider, and she rode more miles, she did say that like she would get a little bit anxious about it because the vibe and the energy is mm. much more high strung. And, um, it is, yeah. like, especially going, if you're going to, like when we would go to Lucky Wills, we would pass through the downtown LA area. And if you're going during rush hour, like I have so many, like I literally probably could fill up this podcast for a whole straight week of stories of things that happen during rush hour. Cause everyone is just so pissed off and it gets crazy. How about after our 200th episode, all you got to do is just bring in a couple stories. <laughs> Bring in like three weeks of start ticket. We'll record like you come over for a whole weekend. Come over Saturday and Sunday. Well, we'll barbecue. As far as we can fill it up and just take off well, for like Christmas it, break. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But like, I will all plenty of content. I have plenty of content content for you. But um, as far as an update on my injury situation, like um, I had to do something that was uh, a really big, I guess, uh, blow to my ego. And I had to give notice to my downtown LA job. Oh no! Yeah, so like that. You were still working recently? Or I mean, no, I'm not working right now. I can't work right now. I'm not cleared to work yet. Um, But I gave notice because I just I was really hard decision. But like talking about this, 
the writing in LA because of my job and like all of the commuting and just the exhaustion of have juggling two jobs and like going all the way up to like Silmar and coming back down to LA, which is what happened the day of my accident. And so on. And I was, yeah, I know I was really tired and I just think that it was just a really bad cocktail, which contributed to the accident. Um, but yeah, I had to quit that job because I just didn't want to risk it anymore. Like I'm getting older, like these injuries have taken a toll on my body and I love motorcycles. I love motorcycles till the day that I die. But I've also acknowledged that this is the lifestyle that I chose and I have to, you know, live with the decisions that I've made and the experiences that I've had. And that was, you know, one of the, the things that happened was like, I had this injury and I was like, man, I don't know if I could do it again. You know, like if I return to that job and I'm going back in the same situation where I'm like riding all over Timbuktu for my job and like really tired, the weather's hot, I'm carrying all this stuff. Like it made me start to think about the factors that affect you when you're riding as a commuter. Because before I took it for granted because I was just like, go, 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 go. But this accident really showed me that there's a lot of other factors that play into what happens when you're on the motorcycle. And... um yeah, that was really hard for me to do. And it's just, it's a decision that I had to make and and kind of change the path of my journey um, going forward. Because the thing is, is I love motorcycles so much. I was like, okay, there's either one or two ways this is going to go. If I go back to that job, I'm possibly looking at like, maybe next time I won't be here when that happens. And is it worth it? Like, is it worth it to end it that way? Or is it better for me to take another option where I can still enjoy riding? I can still like enjoy it without always being stressed out and have all of these downsides. And that was kind of the decision that I had to make, which is really crazy because I never thought I would be in this situation, you know, because I, people, my friends who are not writers are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get a car and commute. It's not that hard. And I was like, you don't understand. It is that hard. Like just the thought of being in the car and driving 25 miles to work in a freaking four-wheel vehicle every day. Well, not the not to mention that that will take you an hour and a half in LA. Yeah, no, it would. T- there were days where it would take I because when I would go up to Silmar in the truck, it, would t- it took me three hours. To yeah, get back Silmar home. is quite a commute from where you live. Yeah, so. no, it was. Uh, I don't even know how many miles, but it was really far. And what? so that's why when I talk to people who aren't writers, they, then then they start to realize how deep this like mental illness of obsession. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know how deep my passion is because. I literally was like, no, that's my parameters for life. Like, I live life on my terms. Like, friggin' Frank Sinatra, you know what I mean? Doing it your way. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, you know, if if motorcycles is my thing and I want to be a commuter, then I need to decide, okay, well, maybe my commute needs to be more local. And... um, There you go. Yeah, so that's going to be my thing is I'm just going to look for something that's more local. That way it's kind of a compromise. I can still ride my bike. I'm not going to be stressed out all the time. I'm not going to be exposing myself to such high levels of risk. And um, I just want to survive, you know. Like I don't want, especially riding and after experiencing so many injuries. um, Like I technically, from my second injury, I am permanently disabled. I have a 23% permanent disability rating because I lost... 30% muscle in my impale injury on my left foot. So it permanently 
deformed my foot and it changed like I have chronic pain. That's why your shoe looks like a banana. That's why you're so obsessed with bananas. (laughs) (laughs) But like, um, you know, continuing to ride after experiencing an injury, it changes you as a rider because for me, I have to, like when I went to Babes, I have to think about, okay, how long can I be on the... Hey. <laughs> Sorry, I had a cough. <laughs> How long can I be on the bike before my pain starts to distract me? Mm. You know, and it, like, Sorry. S- <laughs> <laughs> so like the thing is, is, um, you know, everyone who experiences, who goes on long rides, like you just experience the normal pain of like your ass hurts from riding for like an hour and a half or you get cramps or you get muscle cramps. So on top of that is like, um, in my ankle, I have joint pain. I have arthritis. And so when I was riding from like warm LA temperatures, I'm feeling okay and comfortable. But the minute I go to an area like the central coast at late at night, you have a temperature change. And once that temperature dipped down like 20 degrees pretty suddenly and wind chill and all of these things, it just hit me. My ankle was just like blaring with pain. And so those are factors that I have to now um, calculate in my life. It's yeah. just a normal thing. When I get on the bike, I'm like, okay, um, how does how do my legs feel? Like, cause there's times where I'll be with this injury on my right side and my previous injury on my left side, there will be times where I'll be like walking around with my cane and my left side which is supposed to be my stronger side side will literally give out on me. So I've been in the kitchen, like trying to walk to the refrigerator and just all of a sudden I was like, like, you know, out of nowhere, which can be like, if you're on a motorcycle and you come to a stop, that's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You you know, that's a little bit of a sketchy situation. But also there's a lot of banana peels kicking around your, (laughs) uh, around your kitchen. Well, let's put a pin in that. I mean, let's, bring this show full circle and find out whether you rode somebody two up on your bike to Babes Ride Out. Let's take a quick break and uh, find out right after this. For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed. Clawman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clawman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Ba do be da dee be da do. All right, everybody, we're going to get to Jay's story in one hot second. Jay, your your story is just going to have to wait just a little bit more because this past weekend, Daddy played some fun games. Ooh, that sounded creepy. Remind me never to say that again. Uh, Junkie went out to Joe's mini bike reunion and feasted my eyes upon some of the craziest little motorcycles and mini bikes and everything else you've ever ever seen 
And boy, did I have a blast. But also, I made a couple new friends. And if everything works out right, I'll have a new mini bike by next year for Joe's mini bike reunion. Let's take a, a gander. Well, you can't gander with me, can you? Let's take a listen and hear about all the crazy things the junkie saw out there that beautiful day in La Crescenta, California. All right, I'm here at Joe's mini bike reunion, and I just happened to like walk around. I saw our buddies from Steady. We'll probably chat with them in a sec. I met this cool guy named Yeti that has one of the best looking bikes out here. And uh, where can you tell us a little bit about what you do um, and where you're where you're mainly at, like where you mainly do your mini bike stuff, and where uh, what the hell got you into mini bikes and what you got over there? All right, um, I run Yeti's mini bike repair. Just as a little side business to pay for the toys, all my minis. But um, I'm based out of San Bernardino, California. I have guys come from California City, um, LA, San Diego, just to work on their bikes. Um, How it all started was in the worst way possible. The worst way to get introduced to mini bikes. Because it started with an event called Wasteland Weekend. If uh, Mad Max had a child with Burning Man, we're gonna have to wait for this bike to get off the dyno. <laughs> this loud as heck over here. Okay, so Mad Max had a baby with Burning Man that created what's called Wasteland Weekend. We actually just celebrated the 10th anniversary this year, and I know it was a huge event, and I knew fuck walking, <laughs> just fuck that shit. You're probably gonna have to bleep that out later. Um, But so I bought a Chinese mini chopper. Had double tires on the back, little 49cc motor. God, that was the worst mistake ever. (laughs) Put a new motor, burnt the coil. Coil, change the coil, pole start fucked up. Said, fuck this. So. Ran out the first year, burned the bearings up, and then up, just went downhill from there. Was that your first mini bike ever, that was, too? That was my first mini bike, too. Okay. First one, it was all dolled up, cleaned it up nicely, painted it, themed it out, broke it the first night at Wasteland, and then got home, fixed it up, and it, more things got breaking, so I said, screw this. And then it started with a 96 old school Baja with the Springer front end. And that was three years ago now. And now this thing's got a new Predator in it, custom stop sign shield, 19 inch Chevron, tires that'll just eat through anything with a 30 series torque converter. And once I get home, I got a Briggs and Stratton, I'm gonna drop in another frame. And in that one, I got life on 6.5 horse stage one that I threw together out of three different motors and stage one kit for a Predator. That one's gonna go into the or my first bike and give it some real power to it. But now, now I'm up to, was it four bikes plus a frame sitting at home. 
and it all started with like a terrible choice. And I gotta tell you, I, t I took pictures of this bike. Now that I know what it is, you f you didn't mention it's got antlers on it. It's got a trailer. You're towing something. What is that you're towing? Bike. Yeah. Um, it's actually a dog trailer that I just converted to tow behind the mini bike. That way, it normally has a canvas top on it, so I can throw on wood sides, so I can throw all my gear in it as I'm towing around wasteland. Throw the little ice chest in there, so I'm all golden. But I thought for the show, let's throw a ramp on it and throw another bike. I know that's going to catch people's attention. It did. Because I usually use the bike at Wasteland as a rescue and recovery bike to pull back the other mini bikes to camp and fix them up. So I knew it had the power. So I'm like, now I need the trailer. What, what is the mini bike presence like at, at Wasteland? Uh, is it a... Is it pretty massive, or uh, is it mostly just whatever? Like, is there all sorts of stuff that shows up? Well, there's two main groups of bikes at Wasteland. You have all your fools on motorcycles, and then you have the Wasteland mini bike gang, which is about 40 known bikes to the actual gang, and probably close to 60 or 70 that actually attend the event. And then That's also more bikes than there are here. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, there's a ton of bikes here and I could imagine that it's just like everything. Imagine, imagine 40 mini bikes. Each one looks like they could kill you in one way or another. All in one place, and then cruising around on these little dirt roads. It's scary. All right. Well, we're getting yaps here. They're announcing winners and stuff. We might have to take a little break. Uh, if anybody wants to contact you or check you out on social media, I'm going to post pictures of your bike up on our blog. But if anybody wants to uh, get a check you out on Instagram or anything like that, do you have an account where they can check out this monstrosity? Um, I actually have two accounts. I have one on Facebook, Yeti's Mini Bike Repair, and one on Instagram, same thing, at Yeti's Mini Bike Repair. And uh, I'll give him the car so that way he can post up the names and the links and email and contact information along with those beautiful bikes. And dude, if you're ever, I know we have listeners all over the U.S., but if you're a out here in California, you got to see some of the stuff that's showing up here. And B, if you're ever in uh, San Bernardino, yeah, go check out Yeti's Mini Bike Repair. Get yourself a mini bike. Then go check out your mini bike repair. There's all what you, the stuff you guys are mentioning and half the parts you said earlier. I have no idea. I'm a motorcycle dude, so I don't know about mini bike. So this is just blowing my mind seeing everybody and hearing hearing everybody talk about all this weird stuff. You'll love my current build. It's a Baja frame, custom XR80 rim fitted to the front, raked out fork. The way it's set up, it has about two pennies clearance between the head tube and the fork. There's that much rake to it. It's gonna run a 19 inch street tire off the back of this thing, eight inches wide. So it's not just skinny, it's wide. With a fully built out stage four race motor with pipes on it that makes it sound better than Harley's. Nice. Alrighty, well thanks Yeti for spending a few minutes with us talking about all this stuff. And I'm stoked. I want a mini bike now just after seeing half of this stuff around here, man. I just, I'm crazy. It was nice to meet you. What's and your budget? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> next, if next to nothing, this is the wrong. I can tell you just by looking around, if you think mini bikes are cheap, uh, think again, man. There's all sorts of crazy stuff out here. So Cheap to get, cheap to get into. 
And then it's an uphill battle. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. I hate Matthew McConaughey in that role. Kind of creepy. All right. Anyway, yeah, we had a lot of fun out at Joe's Mini Bike Reunion. That bike was the one that he was talking about with the custom stop sign shield. Um, if you, I'm not, I'm totally unfamiliar with mini bike parts nomenclature. So what you would call like a fairing or like a, uh, I don't know, like a a cowl on a bike. Uh, they call them shields. Well, I know not on a scooter they call them leg shields, but this mini bike, mini bikes don't aren't stepped through. So. Really weird. He just had a, um, a stop sign wrapped over the middle of his mini bike there. And then he had also won, the one that he was towing on the trailer, had won the uh, contest for the loudest pipe. So, and it was tiny, tiny little mini bike. Could have fit in a pannier, a, a Rogue Glide special. Um, but it had louder pipes than, you know, all get out. So, anyway. Um, let me pop. Why am I so quiet here? There we go. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I had a really, really, really good time talking to him. He was his jacket. He had like a cut and it said a hooligan on it and Yeti's mini bikes on the back. And he just seemed like legit dude. He seemed like a fun guy to drink a beer, smoke a bong and talk mini bikes all day and just kind of, kind of yak with. Then I went over to a different sort of individual club, a club that was there that had uh, a presence, many, many bikes, and uh, many, many, many members showed up as uh, we are getting ready to wrap for the day. I don't know where they were during the day. It was in a park. There was like 80 food trucks. Beautiful, beautiful day. I guess I should have described it to you um, before I started blabbing about it, but it was a beautiful, perfect day, uh, nice and sunny, I'm not too hot, despite the fact that we've been having crazy Santa Anas uh, for like the past two weeks, and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful setting in the hills of La Crescenta, um, in the community park there, big, wide-open, grassy space, pff, uh, 20 bajillion mini bikes of all like makes, sizes. It was it was nuts. So these next guys that we talked to, they're probably chill too, and they'd probably be fun to hang out and drink a beer with, but... They, they're all about street cred, street rep, and putting their mouth where their mouth is, putting their mouth where their fat rear tire is. This is the AV Club. I talked to Jay, who is one of the members of the uh, the AV Club. If you listen to Joe's Mini Bike Reunion, you'll hear him talk about AV Club all the time. And it's, uh, well, I'll tell you, we'll get into it right now. So let's uh, get into our interview with Jay from AV Club. All right, I'm wandering around Joe's mini bike reunion uh, still. Just my mind's being blown left and right. Every single time I see something, I think I've seen it all. And then I walk two more feet and <laughs> I see something else. I'm over here with AV Racing, uh, AV for Antelope Valley. And uh, I hear your guy's name on Joe's mini bike reunion show all the time. I'm here with Jay. And uh, what do you, I'm going to ask you uh, how AV got its start and also just. Uh, like, what the heck am I seeing around here? Like, you guys have so much different, diverse stuff in just your little area. Um, so first off, I guess, how did uh, AV get its start, and where exactly are you guys in the Antelope Valley? 
Um, we're actually based out of Lancaster, California, Lancaster Courts Hill, California. Um, we got our start um, because we had one or two fast bikes, um, and basically we got called out um, uh, with the mini bike racing, and uh, we got called out, and then we kind of formed together because a few of us had the same interests as far as wanting to go fast and having a fast bike. So um, basically, once we got called out, you know, a couple of us got called out, uh, we kind of bonded together uh, recently within the last year or two, and uh, um, it was basically um, AV versus LA, and, and a big thing is, is, is going on right now where um, a lot of teams in LA is going in, um, against eight or nine bikes from the Antelope Valley. You know, I'm, I'm talking about 10 or 11 teams in LA with two or three bikes, um, uh, probably, you know, four or five bikes per team versus eight bikes in Antelope Valley. So if you put it together, you're talking about 30 something bikes, 30, 40 bikes that, you know, are pretty quick to go against eight bikes from the Antelope Valley, you know, so. Um, that's how pretty much the Antelope Valley racing started. Uh, we were all kind of good friends before, um, and just we just got together and just made it happen. And uh, now we're one of the most notorious teams uh, that 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 exists today. And there's uh, there's a lot of good and bad that follow us too. So, how did you guys? Uh, well, you guys got your start through that. Where do you guys race out there? I know. Uh, is there still a drag strip at Palmdale, or you guys just do it wherever you can find a straight line? Um, unofficially, <laughs> <laughs> we we have a few uh, off-site locations, um, private locations. Nice, nicely worded. <laughs> uh, private locations that we do use sometimes to race. Uh, they are private, um, um, not disclosed, as the the uh, possible owners might not. Um, want that information disclosed but um yeah we do have a few spots um where we use uh eighth mile and quarter mile we have um our streets marked and verified for either eighth or quarter um even uh one location with 660 feet you know or um 30, 330 feet just so we can get a baseline and and know how to test and and uh go from there do you guys have um, regular meet meetups? Because um, I hear Joe, like I'm telling you, I can't listen to a single show without Joe mentioning you guys, and it sounds like you guys are doing stuff all the time. So you guys got regular monthly meets, or do you guys just meet, you know, whenever? Um, we try to meet as much as possible. Um, it's never a set time. It's never a set date um, because we all do work, and we all do have very busy and conflicted schedules. But um, it's, it's um, very... We try to have meetings as much as possible, especially when there's a big event coming up or something big um, that's going to be happening with the team. So, And you guys, the L.A. team, who's that? Who are you guys squaring off against? Um, who aren't we squaring off <laughs> against? Uh, I would say everybody. We got teams uh, from the most notorious, Eastside Racing, um, Squirrel Gang Racing, um, TAF Racing, uh, <laughs> Loud Pack Racing. I, I can't even name all the teams right now because I can't think of everybody that's against us, but that's four out of 10 or 12 teams that uh, that are are trying to go against just one team in the Antelope Valley. 
I, I didn't even know there was that many like mini bike racing teams around. Is it so the more, I mean, obviously this is my first time to Joe's and like I said, steady turned me onto it and now I can't believe what I'm seeing, but obviously there's, it's a huge, it's a big scene, bigger than I thought. So there's gotta be little niche people around here in their little clubs here and there that you just don't know about because it's mini bikes, right? So if I'm looking for a mini bike club over in my part of town, how would I know? Who, who, what the hell would I be looking for? Just listening for mini bikes running on the weekends or what? How do I, how do I get involved? Or do I just have to meet somebody like you and say, hey, where's another, where's another club? Um, well, yeah, it isn't very pronounced. You know, it's not like um, the big fight clubs or et cetera. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a non really disclosed things, but it's one of those things that if you know, you know, you know, like you can find probably somebody that's affiliated with the team if you've seen somebody driving a bike around you know you know somebody's probably associated with somebody you know somebody probably knows somebody else or somebody knows somebody that's associated with a crew or a team or or etc etc and um basically once once that you stumble across and you'll just start stumbling across more people and and more people Do you guys ever allegedly take these on the streets, or are these like race bikes only? Because they look pretty built. Um, they are mostly race bikes. Well, all of the team bikes are race bikes. Um, we have a standard set that um, one bike basically is our farm truck, and um, to be part of our crew, you need to beat the farm truck. Gotcha. Right. So if you can't if you can't beat the gatekeeper, forget about it. Um, I'm gonna ask you a couple things. Yeah, let's listen to see if you're gonna win. We might have to step away because you may you may win something here. But also, I want to know like what the hell motor is this turbo thing over here? It's a V. It's a twin. And so I'm looking at it, going, that ain't a motorcycle motor. What the hell is that? Um, that is just an industrial V-twin engine. Uh, probably off of your generator, your pressure washer. You know, it's just um, an industrial V-twin engine. We have. Uh, a really amazing fabricator, uh, Jake Mo. Most people in mini bikes know about who Jake Mo is, just like most people in mini bikes know what a taco mini bike is. Um, he uh, blessed me basically with some really good fabrication, um, some really good uh, work, and to my bike, um, it is a, an industrial V twin. That is not standard with a turbo, but um, we did get a turbo on there, um, as well as uh, a few other modifications to get it to fit and et cetera, et cetera. I seen smaller pipes on a GSX 600. You know what I'm saying? Like these things, crazy. So, Grandpa, unless Grandpa's rototiller comes with the turbo on it, you're gonna have to do some stuff and make some of the crazy stuff on here. One of the other things uh, somebody was telling me about you were you were explaining to me the the clutches. They're kind of like a slider clutch on a motorcycle. But yeah, we were looking at the uh, different amount of clutch plates, and you were showing me the weights, different weights, throw it out at different stall you know levels. What the hell? This thing on the side here. Uh, can't, I can barely show you with all the pipes coming out. Is that a fuel distribution? What is, is that a pump of some sort? It is a fuel pump, yes. It's a, actually a pulse-operated fuel pump. So basically it gets a pulse signal from um, somewhere in the intake manifold. Um, uh, when the engine uh, does the compression stroke, it creates a vacuum, which in terms uh, creates a pulse for the pump that actually pumps fuel. Um, it, it's used sometimes in kart racing for um, 
to help flow because the fuel uh, fuel tanks, I'm sorry, are sometimes located really far away from the carburetor. But in our cases, sometimes our gravity feed isn't enough, so we need fuel pumps to get that fuel. Right, and the, dude, I've seen also smaller carbs on friggin' you know, 1,000cc sport bikes. You said carbs are huge on some of these things, so I imagine the airflow enough isn't enough to suck. You gotta have like extra fuel input uh, once you get up to the higher speeds or whatever, or else you're gonna start cutting out, losing, you know, running super lean and then like not getting any fuel. And like, what's this, like this thing right here, is this just like the CDI box or something? Like I'm trying, I was trying to figure that out too. That is a magneto coil. So basically there's a magnet on the flywheel. Um, it, yeah, as it rotates, it creates uh, a spark and that's what fires your spark plug. It's very simple. Um, it's not any kind of CDI, there's no, um, timing advance or anything like that it's just basically straight to the point what you set your timing at is what your timing is going to be at dude on most motorcycles this is covered up that's why i didn't immediately recognize what all right we are back with jay we had a card was full we've been recording and recording and recording so uh i forget where we left off but um yeah I, we were talking about uh parts on the motorcycle, this this CDI box is normally covered on a regular motorcycle, and uh, uh, some you know the clutches you showed me earlier, but also the wacky engines. Like I don't even know what this engine's out of. Too is this out of like a, it looks like a flathead sorta. Is this out of like just an industrial something or other? This is actually a race block. Um, this one is actually um, the dedicated race block. It is based off of your flathead industrial Briggs five horsepower engine. It is based completely off of it but there's been some upgrades with the block um, there's more material um, around the fan uh, uh, around the whole block to support more horsepower um, there's there's more uh, material basically to just help support um, valve train um, help support with uh, the crank, uh, you know, because with making more horsepower, you, you need more crank support. Um, yeah, there's it's it's all just upgraded. There's uh, bigger ports for the intake and exhaust. Um, it's all been re uh, revised and refined and. Um, on these things, is there, you know, like on a regular bike, there's valves, but on two strokes, there aren't. Do these things have valves or are they like side valves? Like, how does the valves work on these things? Um, they do have valves. All the, in the engines that we use um, in our normal mini bike racing do have, does have valves. Um, they're all four-stroke engines. Um, most engines that are being used today are overhead valves, so you have your... put. Um, push rods you have your lifters you have your rockers um, but this engine is in particular is a flathead engine so you just it's basic straight to the point old school um, but very very reliable and makes good power and then you were showing me something over uh, further you know one of the bigger bikes that's actually going out right now that guy's lifting it that thing has like a, a junior dragster motor in it so you guys are like incorporating in all sorts of engines into your builds yes yes um, junior dragsters um, and carding, our, our um, technologies are being used into um, our mini bikes. So um, engines, um, we're using the clutches, we're using um, all the parts, all the heads, all the all the upgrades. Um, basically, 
anything we can use that's kart racing and efficient or junior tracks racing and efficient, um, we're putting them into our bikes, uh, no matter what it takes. That's awesome. And I can tell you, you know, this thing, this crazy rototiller with the uh, the turbo on it, this looks like it's out of a snowblower or a lawnmower. That thing over there, man, I've, I've taken pictures of all these bikes, so I'll post them up on our on our blog if I can remember. But, uh, yeah, that thing's got, like, one of the junior dragster motors, and they're all so unique. And uh, you guys have just done a ton of stuff to them. They don't, I mean, you can tell. Obviously, that motor didn't come with that Pulse, uh, Pulse Jet. Wait, what's that called, the Pulse? Pulse Pump. Pulse Pump. Okay, so it doesn't have the Pulse Pump. These gigantic carbs on them, all that great stuff. You guys have just gone all out. What about the frames? Um, frames are pretty easily accessible. Um, they, they are multiple providers and, and multiple uh, manufacturers of the frames today. You can pretty much find any frame to suit any needs you want. Um, full junior dragster, dragster frames, uh, theoretically to your average street cruiser that you can just start up and you don't have to make your neighbors too mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Because some of these things look like they're pretty loud. That dude over there that we were talking to earlier said he won earlier for loudest pipes on that little little mini bike he had, so I'm sure some of these things can get crazy. But man, Jay, thanks for hanging out and walking us through some of this stuff. I just, it blows my mind to see uh, some of the innovative stuff that you guys do to make a little a little motor and a little chassis fast and uh, the brakes on these things are legit because you got to stop it stop it too so if anybody wants to get into mini bikes um, check out AV Racing in the high desert Lancaster you guys aren't too far from Willow Springs we're always uh, pumping we got a buddy that does the uh, vintage races out there we're always in that area and um, if anybody wants to get into mini biking um, what, what would you say, like, what's the first step? What's the, uh, you know, where would you look first? And, and what sort of chassis would you uh, recommend first? Um, depending if they want to get into racing, um, there's multiple racing um, manufacturers, F&B Racing. Um, uh, there's not that many uh, junior dragster uh, or racing mini bike. GT's Hobbies, they, they do a bunch of trick custom work. Um, if you want to cruise, there's repops of older bikes that you can buy, like the tacos. There's um, GT's that's always open, um, F&B Racing. Um, I can't think of any other ones at the moment, but there are a few. Go Power Sports has uh, kits, you know, that you can just build them. Or, or if whatever you want to do, for, if you want to go from mile to wild, you can... Uh, contact a few of those that I just listed and and they'll set you up with whatever you want to whatever you want to get into and then a couple, few hundred bucks to start yeah it could be a few hundred bucks I've scored a, a nice mini bike for 50 bucks you know that was a nice cruiser I've also got bikes that I got two thousand dollars into you know so it's depending on what you what you're doing with it what you want to do if you how many trophies you want to win how much fun you want to have how many times you want to win a race it's, it's all it's all variations on on uh, what you want to do with your bike and if you're married like I am just tell your wife yeah honey it was 50 bucks no matter what you roll into the <laughs> into the garage right yeah yeah I still use that today <laughs> it's 50 bucks all right Jay well thanks for yakking with us and uh, I'm a, I want might try to come out if I if I see you guys are you guys on social media at all yes yes you can check us out um, our Instagram page is AV mini bike or I'm sorry AVR mini bike club uh, also I have 
uh, another pretty social mini Instagram is uh, Built Mini Bikes. Um, and basically, we're always on there. We're always available for questions and comments and and uh, whatever you need. We'll guide, guide you guys in the right direction or help you guys with whatever we can. Yeah, and if you want to trash talk and think you got what it takes to against some of these bikes, I can tell you you probably don't because I'm standing here looking at what, <laughs> what you'd be coming at. But, yeah, check it out and uh, start a mini bike club. This, is, this looks awesome. I mean, look at this group of guys over here. You got so many people around this bike right now. It's just cool. I can imagine what it's like on race day, you know. So thanks again, Jay. Thanks for yakking. And uh, we'll catch you when we're in Antelope Valley next time. Awesome, awesome. See you guys. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Because after an hour in that seat, your ass will hurt so bad you'll forget all there about your you leg. Go. You know what? That's right. That's what I try to do. That's what happened on the ride. To so starting in babes right out. So just to cut straight to the chase. Um, so <laughs> about uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I get off on meandering trails all the way. That's just how this podcast always goes. Uh, but that's what I makes it, it fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, we live down in Southern California, and it was up the central coast. I think it was like 300 and 287 miles, between 280 to 300 miles um, from our location. Let's call it 290. Yeah. Just to split the difference. There you go. There you go. So it's a decent ride. <laughs> and so we were discussing, um, Ashley has the KTM Duke 690, and I have the SV650. And so we were talking about like, okay, how are we going to get up there? And then on top of that, um, Ashley's friend from Florida, who's n- not a, she's not a motorcycle rider. She's been on motorcycles as a passenger, but she's never ridden a motorcycle herself. Um, she was coming over. So I was really anxious because of my injury, but I'm just like, okay, let's figure this out. And so we packed down both the bikes like, I really tried to be good this year because I'm a chronic overpacker because I'm just like, well, what if there's a zombie apocalypse and I need to have three knives because I need to have one on each side, one in the back, and then I need to have a flashlight so I can blind them and then I can shank them. I'm terrible. I'm really bad. So I was just like, okay. Are zombies not blind? I thought they were just inherently blind. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've seen the, the zombie movies. They, they just come at you. I have no idea what, how they do that. Um, but just in case, it's always good to be prepared. And so, um, you know, I'm packing down the stuff and the, th- the agreement was that I was going to take the passenger up and I would load the bike. Cause I have, um, experience, extensive experience with riding with passengers on the back, um, of various different motorcycles, um, actually hasn't had that experience yet. So I just figured, you know, logically, it's best not to be stressed out because I get I've been very anxious lately. Um, not to be stressed out about her taking up a passenger and that would distract me from riding. So I got my we got our bikes loaded up like everything's just ready to go, and we were actually gonna leave at a good time. And then um, the she her friend Kaylee gets on the back. Um, I'm like let me let's do a test ride because. The thing that happened was the motorcycle, the banana, when it got hit, um, the things that broke was my left side peg and the handlebars got tweaked. You saw it, how it got tweaked on the left side. It's tweaked, I don't know, what do you say, like an inch, a half an inch maybe? More than that? Mm-mm. Less than half an inch. <laughs> so the translation of his mouthful of whatever he's got stuff in there, less than half an inch. But the thing is, it's tweaked just enough inward that when you go um full lock to the left the handlebar on the the left side handlebar actually touches the tank it stops right there it's full lock right there so it's literally like stops and it hits the tank and so like if my thumb if i go full lock into a turn on going left i will pinch my thumb so that's the downside maybe it's an inch (laughs) yeah maybe it's it's somewhere in between there but anyways it's it's rideable, and I wrote, I've ridden it. I mean, obviously, I got here. I'm potent, uh, allegedly got here on the banana. 
<laughs> um, so like, I, it's fine. Like, cause I was like, oh, I wonder if I can ride with it. And um, I had my friend Sonia, she came down and I was like, hey, can you take it for a ride? This was before I could ride it. I was like, hey, take it for a ride. Cause she's just crazy. So she'll ride anything. The handlebars could be bent all the way in and she would ride it. Like, that's why I love her. Cause she's crazy like me. Cause that's how I am. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, it's no big deal. So then when I wrote it, it's, you notice it. But it's not dangerous. Well, I don't think it's dangerous. Um, but there is definitely, you have to adapt your riding. You can't, and like there is a pull. So if you take your hands off the handlebar, it does track to the left to the point where like maybe two or three seconds, it does like go too, too much less. So I'm trying to figure out there's something in the suspension or some sort of alignment thing I need to fix. Anyways, long story short, she gets on the back. I have both the saddlebags. Um, and we go and I take off and literally I almost turns into a tank slapper. Uh -huh. Like the, it just was wobbling. It was too, I think there was too much pressure. What was happening is I was pushing with my, the weight from my, was translating from my shoulders down into the handlebars. No? Nope. You'll experience this. If you ever ride a jet ski, you will definitely fall over right away. What's happening is the, all the weights in the back now. You have oh, okay. too much weight in the back, and it lightens the front end, and there there's no traction over okay. the front wheel. Good to know that, because I didn't know that's what the issue was. Um, I thought it was the opposite. That so that was happening. Yeah, that you should you should should always have the bigger person riding, uh, you yeah. know, piloting, and the smaller yeah, person in the, the back. Yeah, that was the thing. Is she was like I think she's like five six, and I'm yeah. five one. So it definitely and plus I had the saddlebags and the saddlebags and I'm gonna guess if she's a couple inches <laughs> taller than you she might weigh even a couple pounds yeah. more with the saddlebags and everything back there it's gonna imagine riding a riding a bike that's always on the verge of wheeling I've had that happen yeah well I've done that before with just loading my bike up yeah. <laughs> you know where because like I said I'll load that shit up and I actually have had, okay that makes sense so that's what was happening and so I was like oh hell no like yeah. this is way too dangerous I don't want to risk it and like I was telling you before I was having nightmares before the trip so I was extra Dude, paranoid yeah so um I you have a tank bag yeah and I had the tank bag on there but so the, the thing the is the tank bag should have had no but yeah. the issue was the tank bag was making me in an awkward position oh, yeah and I couldn't like because of the tweak I have to position my body in this I adapted in this weird way and the tank bag was it was getting in the way yeah and it was causing me to be distracted right because I kept failing it and I was like um, running into yeah. it and you're saying when you took off so even at the momentary even though maybe the weight was just shifting back and maybe once you got into second or third gear and everything kind of settled more forward it might have settled down but imagine doing that every single well, time you take thing, off is like, like we live in a cul-de-sac and so like i was gonna go i went from we we're all the way at the end and i was going to the exit of the street and like going into a turn with that like there was i yeah. didn't feel comfortable uh -uh. so imagine um, going down a twisty road like that yeah, yeah bad well, news yeah the, and the thing is is like i'm crazy I've done some crazy things on the bike, but if I have a passenger, I'm really aware. I try, well, I try to be aware where like, I don't want, I'm responsible for that person. You know, like when Ash would be on the back, I would really try to be aware. And she would even say like, hey, you're going, you're splitting too fast with me. And like, maybe you should slow down because I feel anxious or whatever. Um, you know, so I didn't want to challenge, to risk that. And um, so then... So we're like, okay, let's do a swap. So this was earlier in the day. We were going to leave. We left a day before. So this was Thursday. And so then it was just 
getting out of the area was just so crazy. So getting I, this is getting out of Long Beach, just even trying to leave the yeah, house. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about you said Micah had issues. Like this was our issues just from the jump, and so um, getting out of the cul-de-sac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God damn. So um, so we swapped. I took all the gear. So we had a big duffel bag across the back. Saddlebags were even heavier. Um, but no longer a passenger on my bike. And then Ash was going to go two up. And then I got the bike out. I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a ride. So I went around on the bike. But the thing is, is between testing it out with the passenger and then doing the test with the second um, round with all the gear, I was using my ankle too much, like, allegedly. And so, you know, it was just the pain just kicked in. This was like about an hour's worth of like movement and stuff. And I was just pushing myself physically too far. And I I was just like, I can't like when that pain kicks in, anyone who deals with chronic pain as a biker knows this, like it just is distracting. And so it just became to the point where I was, I almost didn't make it. You know, like I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot to do word of the week. Oh, oh, fuck. What, what is it? Because I've been talking a lot. Maybe I've said it already. I don't know. Yeah. We should. That's what you, maybe you we'll, do we'll pick it at the end. Yeah, we'll pick it at the end. So, Like we said it a thousand times. Yeah, so at that point, <laughs> just, uh, I was like, at that point, I was, I'm not a, like a quitter. I'm tr- really stubborn, but this injury, I'm not going to lie. Like I have to, it's been a hit to my ego is like, it's really humbled me. Like there's things I can't do that I used yeah. to be able to do. And it's been hard. I've been having difficulty adapting and accepting that. And like the thing is, is I don't know how long this is going to happen. I don't know if this is a permanent state of being for me or if this is just uh, like taking longer than normal because it is taking longer than normal. I don't know. So that's like kind of like making me anxious because it's like I just want to be at a point where I know okay like is this something I just have to adapt to for the rest of my life or am I going to get better you know um, because I am really struggling with things that I you know can't do anymore I can't be on my feet for more than like 20 minutes at a time so what we did was I was like you know Ash really wanted we all wanted to go and so we have the truck and so we're like okay let's split the difference let's make a compromise we'll load up one of the bikes, and then somebody can ride, and then the truck will be like the chase vehicle. Yeah. Put all the gear in there so whoever's riding doesn't have to worry about loading up the gear, and then that'll be the compromise. And and the passenger can either ride in the truck or on the bike, whatever they want to do, right? Right, yeah, right. Cool. And so me being the stubborn motherfucker that I am. <laughs> you didn't drive the truck, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> take the truck. <laughs> I was like... Uh, <laughs> Because that, that was, like, actually, you know, worried about me. You know, I'm in pain. And the thing is, is, like, I want to ride. And so I was Hey, like, listen. There's, <laughs> no, there's no shame in that. I'm, I'm re-watching Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> and I, we just got to the episode where Clay has to inject his knuckles with oh, uh, whatever the yes, steroid. because cortisone. Because he, he gets... Uh, a, I know cortisone very well. Because yeah. he's got arthritis. 
And that watching guy, that, honestly, I was like, the, every when I watched that show, I was like, after my first act, I was like, man, the struggle is real. Yeah. That's, that's not like you can't so, show everyone that you're weak by not riding, yeah, right? You're yeah. the president of an MC club, but then you got to get shots every. I really like that they up. had that element, even though that show was corny as hell. I did like that <laughs> element. It was, but like, I like that element because that's. You know, Ashley and I have both been dealing with that because we both have been developing arthritis in our mm-hmm. joints and she has, like, an inflammation in her hands and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. like I'll see her rubbing her hands just, like, in the show and it's just, like, that really is a thing. Um, but anyways, so I was like, no, I'm going to ride fucking motorcycle, allegedly. And so got the truck loaded up, you know, so I didn't have to worry about all the gear. And we were like, well, KTM's light. So this would be no problem, right? Light bike, pop it in the back of the truck. We have a ramp. Um, we have in the driveway, there's a little bit of a dip. Oh, and by the way, Ashley, when I was talking about stubborn, she said, so stubborn, the most stubborn. <laughs> Confirming my stubbornness. But so we're like, okay, we get the ramp on there. We got ratchet straps. We're good. We thought. <laughs> like, uh, it took three of us to get the bike because we've never loaded a bike by ourselves before. And it's really funny because my buddy Sonia had left her TL-1000 um, at our house and her, um, it was not. Those are rad, dude. Yeah. Those are V-twins, right? Or yep. L-twins. A V-twin. V-twin. Yeah, she fucking loves the V-twins. But um, it had like a mechanical issue. So she had to leave it at our place. And a buddy came and picked it up, popped out the ramp, rolled. The, that fucking bike is heavy as fuck. Because I sat on it because I was like, I want to ride it. So fucking heavy. He rolled it up. He was wearing flip-flops. Popped it in the back of his truck in less than 60 seconds mm-hmm. and took off. And so I was like, the guy's oh. a bike thief, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, it's easy. Like, I've seen it with my own eyes. It's totally possible. He jumped up the back while he was doing it, right? Like, but just jumped you know up in there I while he's running say, it up. Anyone who's over five foot six, fuck you. Because <laughs> life as a short person... <laughs> Fucking the struggle is real. And that's what I talk about Sonia. Sonia jokes because she's like, I didn't realize how hard it is for shorter people because she just gets on bikes and she's like, I can flat foot it. It's fine. I can ride anything. What's your problem? She then, you know, her daughter's shorter. And then she's realized that there are, you really have to work with leverage. It's all for, for a short person, for a petite person, for a small person. It's about leverage. It's just like Jocelyn Snow. She rides those big ass GS twelve fifties. It's about leverage. Yeah. Um, but we had to get the bike in the back, so that was challenging. But we got it in the back, and so my- how challenging was it? Can you describe the challenge to me? Because um, you know what, loading. I've loaded plenty of bikes. Usually, I help. I'm helping somebody load a bike because nobody wants to do it by well, themselves. If, any, if you have tips, like I'm open to tips because I've never done it before. Two ramps is my favorite. Yeah, method. that's what we learned. We're gonna get a second ramp. Yeah. But um, we just had the one, and it's the narrow kind. And so we had Kayla in the back, so she was the, the biggest physically of us. So she was holding it steady. There's grab handles on the back of the KTM. And the bike's, <clears throat> I don't know how much it weighs, but it's pretty it's like light. like three-something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not really super heavy. Um, so she was steady in the back. Ash was on the left side, and I was on the right side. And so Ash was covering the brake, and... Um, <coughs> basically kind of um, steering it and then I was basically kind of like spotting it because I could see front and back better. And so we got halfway up. And because you shouldn't be putting any weight on the, the ankle. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, that was the whole thing is like, how useful am I? And uh-huh. I'm stubborn, so of course I'm going to help. And of course I'm going to be in the moment. And that's my problem is I get involved in the moment and I don't think about the pain right then. And the problem is, is now 10 minutes later, I'm like essentially laying on the ground because I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. I fucked myself up, you know, afterwards. It's always the aftermath. But um, so I'm on the right side. But the thing is, is because Ashley and I are both five foot one, we got halfway up the ramp. And so she couldn't get on to the back part of the truck. So she's like holding the bike as high up, like her hands are above her head. And she's, uh, she said the bike's 330 pounds. Figured it was somewhere around there. And so she's holding it steady, but the thing is, like, she can barely cover the brake. And so she's trying to get her, so imagine, like, essentially a midget, like, trying to hold his bike up and then trying to get their leg, tiny, short-ass leg, onto the back of the truck. She, like, it was really difficult. So what I was doing is I was like, okay, I'll cover the brake. I'm going to hold it steady from the right side. And then, see, it sounds so complicated. I'm explaining it. And, like, it's just funny that the other guy just did it. Just ran it up. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is that always, if I don't have a second ramp, I always have a toolbox or something that's roughly half the distance between the ground and the tailgate. Because you you do need a step. Even I'm not 5'1", and I still need a step. I'm three foot four. Ashley's listening, and she needs to be taking notes on this because that's something good to know. Yeah. I always and and you don't get something that's going to be like a wobbly box that you're going to step on and it's going to fall and then the bike's going to fall. Make sure it's like almost like a stairway. Like you kind of yeah, either a second ramp that's on the truck or something. If you're using a toolbox, make sure it's like a broad one or a a good one. Even a folding chair will work because they're obviously you can put the back of it Mm -hmm. against, but something that's at least about halfway between because then you're stepping up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not just jumping up three feet in the back of the truck. Yeah, right. Well, we love to do things the most complicated way possible. That's the story of my life. (laughs) This was essentially it, too. This was literally the most difficult, complicated way to get the bike into the back of the truck. And so, um, She's like, ah, she's like, the bike's gonna fall, the bike's gonna fall. So I was like, no, 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 no. I got it from the right. Like, I'm holding the brake. I was like, Kayla's in the back, so it's not gonna roll backwards. So the brake, the bike is essentially halfway up this ramp, like this, you know, almost at the top. And so I was like, you step into the truck bed. And what we're, Kayla and I are gonna do is Kayla, cause she has, she's got some strength, she's gonna help. I'm going to let off the brake. She can push up. I'm going to steady it. Ashley can then steady it up in the bed of the truck. And then we'll get up there. So it took, we had to like count to three, like 10 times. (laughs) Just because we'd be like, one, two. I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. (laughs) Okay, you guys ready? Okay, one, two. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, let me breathe. And we were like doing breathing exercises and like just be like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I was like, you know. Three hours later. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and her bike has like an engine guard. So, I mean, it has some protection. So, but, yeah, just you know, drop it out and start over next Yeah, time. and but she loves that bike. Just like I love <laughs> my bike. Kidding. I'm I totally wouldn't want to drop her bike. I'm totally I, kidding yeah, about that. She loves that baby. Dropping that sucker from three feet. I don't care how good your protection is. <laughs> She's like, I didn't want to drop my bike ex- tons of explanation yeah explanation no yeah break. i wouldn't either yeah of course so um 
So we did, we did like finally after five, like counting to three, and we finally got to the final one. We did that final push. We got it up and over. And then we're like, is it in? Is it in? Like, is, you know, looking around, and we got it in. Yes. So yeah. Yes. And the bike didn't fall over. So Dude, this whole story that you told me is one of those ones that you could read in the miscellaneous forums of the body, bodybuilding.com, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was like, there's, it was an adventure. It was definitely crazy. <laughs> it was like it, stressful. It reminds me of this story of the guy who went to go on a date and ends up shitting his pants and having to take a shower. <laughs> like <laughs> the most. How did you know about that? <laughs> well, oh, was that, was that an alias? That? Was that an alias? You should have been knowing about oh, that. Like, dude, you guys should should submit this on there. Um, but so no, we got the bike in. And so again, we have no idea what we're doing. Like I, it's okay. <laughs> I'm going to admit it. There's people out there who hey. are snobby and are going to like talk shit, whatever. You can talk shit. This was a learning experience. And the whole essence about how we are as riders, my girlfriend and I, is like, we just learn. We're DIY. Yeah. All of the maintenance we've done on our bikes, we just... We learn. We talk hey, to people. If you're gonna fail, fail up, and at least learn something from your mistakes. At least you didn't fail. You learn something. Yeah, right? and there's been times where I've made mistakes that were very costly. But the thing is, is I'm just like, okay, don't do that again because I can't afford to, you know, pay for that replacement of whatever part yeah. I destroyed. The other thing I was gonna, the, on my only third, this is like the only last thing I could think of is to wear flip flops because then you can't, <laughs> you have to commit and just get it done. That's why that guy was so easy. That's how I was though. I was just like, I gotta commit because. I have my medical boot on, yeah. allegedly. And so... Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all one... one I'm, I'm in a wheelchair over here. <laughs> <laughs> with a cane and yeah. crutches. You were holding it up with the cane from the wheelchair. <laughs> You're like, don't let it fall on me, you jerk. Basically, yeah. <laughs> we did. We had, The wheelchair was out in the driveway, too. But... Um, <laughs> Here's what you do. You put the back wheel up in the wheelchair... <laughs> And then you just roll that sucker up to the back of the up the you roll the front wheel up the ramp with the wheelchair <laughs> over it, and then you just you you figure out yeah, the yeah it would be like training wheels. It's like looking at a um oh god now I can't think of that guy's name the guy that had all the contraptions going around. Oh, Anyways, but so we got the bike in the back, and so we were like, okay, what's the best way to do this? It's a 2005, I think, Toyota Tacoma. Um, it doesn't have like an extended bed, so the tire, um, when it is loaded straight in the back, the tire is about five inches hanging onto the tail of the the bed, and so I was like, okay, well, if we put it diagonally, we can close the the truck bed. And so maybe that will be more secure because it'll be like the back tire will be right up against the... But you can't because it's hanging out a little bit. Well, no, you could... If you it's could shut the bed? Yeah, you could oh, shut oh, the Oh, yeah, bed. diagonal. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah diagonal. Right. Yeah, yeah. And But like, again, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, I'm, Rube Goldberg was the guy I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Get yeah. this Rube Goldberg yep. contraption, yep. get the bike over <laughs> yeah. there. Um. So that was my suggestion was that we do it diagonal. So we were trying to get it diagonal. And the thing is... We've never used ratchet straps before, and I, we've never had anybody show us how to use it. So I'm just like, oh, you just think I'm looking at it. You put it in there, okay, and then you pump it back and forth, right? Well, I did it too tight, and we were doing it too tight. And it, what was happening is the the strap was getting wrapped around. The, so many times that it couldn't lock. Yeah. yeah. So we fucked up like all four oh no <laughs> because we were doing that and um i was like oh yeah it should work and then it was kept getting s stuck and so 
we were trying to use the release and we couldn't like yeah, loosen it up. Yeah, because then you got it too full. So literally, like you, you were joking earlier, three hours later, but literally it was three hours later. <laughs> <laughs> Rad. <laughs> like it was three hours later. It was like nine o'clock at night now. So remember I said at the beginning, like we had started like around noon or something. Like we, so nine hours we had been fucking yeah. like trying to get the bike. Dude, that happens to me all the time with everything. Like you, you forget something here. Oh, I need my ketchup. I need my Bunsen burner, whatever the hell, you know, I need my, get my ratchet strap in. Yeah. That shit happens to me all the time too. You, 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 if you're going to do like a track day or something, you start the weekend well, that's, before. That's why I said leave Thursday. Yeah. That's why we left a day early because I had a feeling that it, I didn't know that this would happen, but I was just like, just in case something like this happens. Because again, it. like I'm, you know, always prepared for the yeah, zombie apocalypse. It. And sure enough, you know, I'm glad that we did that because it was just craziness. And My friend Sarah took a table. Don't ask me. I know what is. I saw that on Instagram. What's the don't story? ask me how. Uh, what type of zombie apocalypse requires you to be eating at a at a table like a proper Frenchman? <laughs> but uh, she took a table. You feed them body parts. I yeah, maybe that's zombie what she was doing. Buffet. So talk about overpacking. She had a huge duffel that's on the back hilarious. of her Triumph. That's so funny. Um, yeah, the ratchet strap thing too. People strap their bikes down all different ways. Some people do it to the handlebars, a triple. Clamps. Well, that's the thing we were trying to figure out was where is the best point to strap it down? And so I was thinking... I want to hear what you did because I wanted, I, I yeah. don't want to tell you what's wrong, but I... I no, you I, can I, probably I, laugh and be like, you good. are so oh, wrong. Because I want to hear... Because there's so many different points on that bike. Well, I don't to know do if it. Ashley's going to want me to tell how she was doing it, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll say how I was you doing it. You got no it. choice. Um, so say how she was doing it and just I, say it was uh, the you. The thing that I did know was, because I've had my bike towed many times due to various different issues, um, and I've watched how they do it, is like you want to compress the front suspension yeah, so that it's okay. not bumping up and down. So yeah. I know that, right? Okay, so I'm good. like, okay, you want, and you want the bike to obviously be steady yeah. because it's a 300 plus pound object in the back of a vehicle that's traveling more than 60 miles per hour. Yeah. So it needs to be immobilized. You know, you don't want it moving around. And so I and was at like 341 pounds, that thing's light enough like a piece of paper to just catch a breeze and flow out of there. Where if you threw this beast or a Harley in there, they're not really moving right. around that and much. And so my thought was I was thinking either the we were talking about the triple trees, the like the handlebar area or the frame, like the behind right behind the neck. And so the way that the the KTM frame is, it's like a tube. Hmm. style frame and so I was like okay if we get the straps around that front part and it I have loops for the um the mounting points in the back of the truck and if we get enough tension theoretically I was thinking it's high enough on the frame you know up right basically like six inches under where the triple tree okay would yeah be, or, or the rise the, the handlebar clamp so I was like, okay, that should be high enough where you're getting leverage and you can get, if you can get a straight path to the mounting points, you get tension. Yeah. And, and you compress it a little bit. And so the issue that was the, the, the hiccup was that the radiator was kind of too wide 
And so oh. the strap was going ar- like around it. So the strap wasn't straight. So then the pressure, you know, is now against Pushing the, the radiator. radiator. Yeah, you don't want that. Uh, yeah. And so obviously we don't want to get to the location. <laughs> and there's parts <laughs> of the bike that are missing, you know? <laughs> or like you turn it on and the r- water just starts squirting yeah, out the right, back of the Right, right, because the hose popped off or whatever. So that we were kind of like, okay, it was kind of like a labyrinth because, you know, she has the engine guard. So that's kind of sticky out you got the radiator so it wasn't like how yours is right here like it's it's pretty like clean on the front where is the radiator on that bike it doesn't have one. Oh, it doesn't nope. is there cool oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. okay but so you don't have the radiator right so it seemed it's like a lot easier to see points where you can mount it hers was a little bit more complicated so she didn't want to do that because we didn't want to damage the radiator and so um she was thinking, oh, if I, like, wrap it around the the mount, the engine guard, that, like, if it's wrapped around several times, and I was like, no, no, no. Like, you're diminishing the tension now because now the tension is going to be split everywhere that you're wrapping it. There's a potential for that area to get loose. Loosen. Good, right. good thinking, yeah. yeah I, mean, well, maybe, I mean, maybe once around it to, maybe once to get it, bit on there to pull it but yeah wrapping it several times i think you're you're good on that yeah i know one little slip and the whole thing is coming undone at that point my other job where i teach kids woodworking stuff we are building things with i'm building things with the kids so i have the the mindset of always trying to like look at engineering wise like how how like this table in front of me like where is the weight distributed so i'm always thinking there's no table in front of her she's using the theater of her mind (laughs) But, you know, so I'm always thinking that way. So that's why I was how I was approaching the, the challenge. But the thing is, is once we kind of figured out and we were going to go from the top of the engine guard, at that point, once we got the ratchets going, we were doing the ratchets wrong. And so now we couldn't even get the bike strapped down because the ratchets were fucked up. Oh, because they were loaded they up. They were loaded up yeah. too tight. And so we're sitting there for like an hour trying to loosen it. Like I got like a butter knife and I was trying to like <laughs> loosen it up. My, I've been there once with my brother because he's just like, hey, you put point, you just do it. And then it looked like a gigantic rows of uh, a roll of fire hose or something and I was like oh dude you you could pull it pull all that slack tight first and then do it it's so funny because Ash was going to kill me for saying this but um, we always joke that like there's like a tortilla um, that we buy this tortilla brand and um, she always has a hard time opening it and the thing is she's opening it from the bottom so she's ripping the (laughs) the plastic part and there's a zipper Hey, that happens so to the best like, of us, how Ashley. Do you, how do you get this open? And I'll walk up to her, and I literally just, like, pull a little tab and unzip it. And she's like, oh. So that essentially is what happened to us now because our neighbor— That's a sign of genius when she's looking for—she's <laughs> thinking outside the box to she's open like, this. She's like, you've done that, too. Okay, yes, I have done that. <laughs> oh, I thought she was going to put, you've done your worst. Don't come home. <laughs> yeah, I know, you guys. She's listening in, and I'm— I might be sleeping outside tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you guys have like a dog yeah, cage for your dog I'm out there? Sleep under the stairs, man. Um, so our spooky na- spokes. <laughs> the night I slept under the stairs. <laughs> um, so our neighbor, he's a really chill guy. He's a mechanic, and so he always has like tools and all this other shit, right? So he's out walking his dog, and I was like, "Okay, we need Plan B. We need <laughs> we need help." 
you know, like I need to humble my ego. I just need to be like, look, can you help us? So I was like, hey, dude, um, we're having some trouble here. Like, do you have any ratchet straps that we could borrow? And so he's like, yeah, yeah. So he brings out some ratchet straps. And I was like, can you show me how to use these things? <laughs> because we don't know <laughs> what we're doing over here. And so he's so cool. He's like, yeah, man, like here. And he was like giving us tips. So he's like, if you load the bike straight in the back and then you mount it from the, the handlebars, like you were saying before, you know, right at the points where kind of like where the bend is, you get nice tight tension. So he's like, you know what? You only need, because he, he used to ride dirt bikes. He's yeah. like, you only need two or three straps. Like you don't need four necessarily. Um, as long as you know what you're doing and you're mounting it correctly. Yeah. And so, sure enough, he had the straps that worked. He showed us how to do it. They got it nice and tight. Technically, your straps worked. Yeah. <laughs> until. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, theoretically had worked until we bungled it. But um, <laughs> I have no, I like, you know. I like it, though. That's how, I mean, dude, you learned. Yeah. You totally no, learned totally a new. I totally learned. And it was, it's funny afterwards. Yeah. In the moment, not so funny, dude. Like, <laughs> had I not had I not loaded bikes in the past before, like I, I wouldn't have known. I yeah. didn't know until my first time. I, somebody was helping me do it my very first time. You know, while, while I was helping somebody load their bikes, and that's how I learned is yeah, just yeah, to see yeah. somebody else do it. And everybody does it a little bit different, but most people just do it straight in and use two straps and only one strap at the back. The only reason we did that is to keep stuff from sliding out the back, but also to hold the. We were going to be driving on bumpy dirt roads yeah. and we didn't want the backs of the bikes flopping around and potentially like tipping the front. So we did have a one well, ratchet was strap. A, yeah. That was the, the same thing yeah. because there's a point where you do have to leave the asphalt to get mm, to the parking mm -hmm. area. So it was the same thing. So what we did was we got the front strap down, um, nice and solid. Like the fucking bike wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And then we had a third heavy duty strap that went, um, straight across the back looped around the tire once and yep. nice pulled nice and tight nice so Sounds the back like you did it perfect yeah we got it like yeah. legit and that was due to asking for help that's awesome we got somebody to help us and it was just perfect timing because he was walking his dog yeah. and we were at the breaking point like i was ready to walk away because i was like this is just like Six struggle after struggle after struggle <laughs> and i was reaching hours. my breaking point well, what real. time was this at night was this like nine at night now or was this that night where it was this a late night was 11 o'clock at, at night? night yeah we so we st we'd been working on this for like 12 hours, 10, 12 hours later. Hours. And so um, we got everything in the in the truck, bike loaded, ready to go. Um, so I'm I'm riding. So I'm like, okay, I know there's going to be, we're leaving late, unfortunately. And you know what? I always do this. I'm always leaving for trips. And I always like, let's leave early. Let's leave during the daylight. I like riding during the daylight, not during the nighttime. And it always ends up that I end up leaving during the nighttime. Well, uh, did you guys leave right after that then? Because yeah, you had so also stressed out we for 11 hours. Point. Once the, the whole issue was just getting the bikes yeah. ready. All the gear and everything was packed. So it was essentially just like. But doing mentally, that you had been like exerting and frustrating yourself for 11 hours. Yeah. And then you're leaving on right. the trip. Right. You should have smoked a blunt and eaten a pizza and just hung out for at least a, at eleven hours. You should have just took two more and left at like one. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is like you know, I had exerted myself quite a bit, and again, I'm stubborn, so I'm just like, I'm gonna keep going. So we got the bike going. I'm like, let's fucking roll. So we start riding. Well, I start riding, and um, 
I was just like, I'm going to ride you guys tag behind. And so everything was good until I think the it said it was going to take three hours, 40 minutes between that and four hours. So about two and a half hours into it, everything was great. I had brought layers. Um, I had made sure like I had taken enough ibuprofen that the some of the pain was numbed. But there was a point. How, how was traffic leaving? Traffic at that time was fine. Night? Right. Yeah. So legit, that's yeah. the that's the bonus is that yeah. you're leaving at a good. It was good great time for and traffic. it was dark, so I don't have to worry about um, potentially theoretically if someone was to go fast above the speed limit, like that person would want to worry about CHP and you know. Right. Especially when they're hauling a bike <laughs> in the back of their truck. <laughs> right. 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 And so, they got yeah. this other motorcyclist that's following them doing the speed right, limit though. Right. But no, the, the, that was the one positive side was that there was no traffic. And that was great because I was at the point where I didn't need any more stressors. And so we were riding. And so now at this point, I have my two underlayers for the lower part. And then on top, I have um, four base layers. What was the weather's forecast to be up there? Um, it was potentially dipping down below 40. Oh, shoot. So it was like 30. I think the coldest it got was like thir- between 34 and 38 degrees. So almost snow. Camps. Yeah, it was. It, it I, Yeah, so what happened was, like I said, four base layers on top. And then also I have a heated vest. And so I had, I threw that on. And what happened was I was wearing, some, like my jacket has a windproof liner. And um, I had heat packs, so I put, like, a heat pack in each pocket. And I'm really sensitive to the cold because of my injuries. Like, I'm, like, that person, you know, I can tell when it's going to rain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can feel my bones start aching. And You've been rubbing your leg. Is it going to rain this weekend? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's, I'm just in severe pain. <laughs> just, like, rubbing your leg? <laughs> um, so... At the point, there was a point where we were like, I don't remember how many miles away, but I was just like, I told, we were getting, we were meeting, we had rendezvous points. So I was like, okay, I can get up to 130 miles to a tank. Um, and I go to this gas station. So they had the location and I had to pull off two and a half hours in and I called them and I was like, I had to go to this gas station because I couldn't feel my body. Oh no. Yeah. How far um, were they behind you? They were actually not too, not, not like five minutes back. Yeah, yeah. Which was surprising because I. You thought you were evil Knieveland across the I American might have wasteland? Been allegedly going triple digits, but who knows? Um, so <laughs> when we got to. 650s don't go that fast. <laughs> wank, um, wank. So, you know, we got to the gas station and I was just like, uh, do you know where Chumas. Chumash, the what is that? Chumash. Chumash. What is that called? The route, the route, or whatever. We were right there. That's that point where we were at. And so I put all of the heat packs in at the gas station. I had extra layers. So out of the truck, I was just pulling layer after layer. I was getting my foot. I have like these little foot booties that are like windproof. I put those in my boots. I look like um, what's that one movie where the kid goes out and <laughs> Christmas story. Yeah, the Christmas. That was like me, and I. Hit Chumas, Chum, I cannot pronounce that word, Chumas Pass. It's a Native American tribe. Yeah, yeah, native yeah. To It's a really beautiful area. Like during the daylight, it's beautiful. Lots of um, nice curves, sweeping um, twists and curves. But at night, it's super dark and there's deer. What freeway is that on? Like the three? F- the 130, is it the 134? No, that's right here in 
that, that's oh. right here through Glendale. Ash, do you know what? Is it the 395? Dude, I can't even see this on my map. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't remember what it is. But so once we hit <coughs> there, the that's when it's hit dipped down to the 30s. Oh, because you went into the. Is it a valley right there? Um, there's it's like a uh, forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it the it the, it's elevated. Like you, my ears started popping. So you're going up. I don't know. There's a oh yeah elevation. Okay. She said maybe 154. You're headed. Yeah, maybe that's what this says on here. Dude, the so little I can't. It's not. It's not zooming in. But it's, it's a really nice. It's really a really nice ride. And actually, when I first so I put remember I put all the base layers on. So I was toasty. I had my heated vest on. I was good. And so about for 30 minutes, I was fucking enjoying. I was blasting. I was just like, oh, man, it's amazing how when you're not freezing to death, how much you enjoy the ride. And then suddenly it was like I hit a brick wall and all of the cold chill went straight through my body. And um, I would not recommend anyone to do what I did because what happened was I reached a certain point where I was so cold that I was like chattering and like the thing is I they were behind me but I didn't know where they were and I was just like I have to keep going forward I have to go to the destination because what am I going to do like I didn't want Ashley to ride the bike because she's not used to the handling so I was anxious about that so I was just like okay so I had to pull off to the side I had to get myself collected for like a minute and then just turn on the vest again and then just hit the road so it was pretty crazy. It was pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, we got about 30 miles from the hotel and I reached a point where um, it was funny because um, they, when we stopped eventually, they're like, how are you doing? And I was like, you know how you see, like someone says they see double vision, like when you're drunk. I had quadruple vision. Oh no. Like when I well, was what time riding. Was it at, what time is it at this point? 3 a.m. Yeah, you've been up. You've been up, stressing out for eleven hours, trying to get everything loaded and the bike loaded and everything packed and make sure all this and that. And now it's three a friggin' m. Yeah, so it was at a point where um, I would definitely say that I allegedly had pushed myself beyond any other um, physical, like strenuous activity I've done on the motorcycle. It was the most challenging ride I've ever done because I had quadruple vision. And I was just really glad that there wasn't any traffic around because there were a few times where I had felt myself like drifting drifting in. And I wasn't necessarily tired, but I was more like exhausted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And And your brain, your brain, uh, when you're tired, your brain is actually, it's worse to drive tired than it is to drive drunk well is it worse really i think it's like the same yeah (laughs) i think it's the same your response times are not the same and my biggest fear was there was um like signs that deer were in the area i was like if it deer it was like in shumash pass there's like this area where there's no shoulder and it's kind of like hills on both sides and sometimes the deer will run parallel to the freeway and if they see you or whatever if they got skittish like I was like, I'm dead. You know what I mean? So I was just like, please don't let any deer. And they're not, they're nocturnal sometimes, you know, like (laughs) deer love it at nighttime just as much as they do. Like at dawn and dusk, I think is when they're most active. So I've been out plenty of times camping and the full moon will be out and you see these things moving and it's deer and you're like, holy crap. I didn't know deer were like also nocturnal, Yeah, you know, like they don't always bed down at night. They are out there. 
Yeah, I, I've seen a few. I've when I rode up to like the Hollywood Hills one time a long time ago, I had seen deer, but I've never really had any issues with. I've never experienced like a close call with a deer before, but thankfully, no deer were there. But the last thirty minutes were definitely uh, questionable. Like I don't, I I just was operating on sheer adrenaline and just willpower and stubbornness. I was just like single laser fucking focus was to get to that hotel. Yeah. Nothing else mattered. Like I, my, I was pushing the tank, like the gas was like 138 miles. And so like the, the empty light was flashing and flashing. I was like, please make it, please make it because I didn't see. 138 miles, make it 138 miles. On the, yeah, on the, on the tank like that. It's usually, I think the most I've done was 132. Dude, when mine flashes, you got like 30 miles to get over. Well, I was, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never ran out of gas. Did you slow down to like conserve fuel? <sighs> the Did only you? time I slowed down was when uh, my wrist was hurting too much. So I just had to like, I just like let off. 130 the miles on a f- on a tank. Reserve. It's, it's like a... Well, not on the reserve, just like to the t- full tank. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like no, the no, no, lights no. flashing and you knew you had no, 138 more miles. No, 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 no. I don't know how many more. I think I probably had like like quarter of an inch worth of gas left yeah. in the tank at that point. And so um, I was just pushing it because I was like, I just, because I was like, I don't have the energy to go to the gas station oh, to do anything God. else. So I... Finally pulled in. It was like three something a.m. and I was worried because you know some hotels they will close and won't let you come in. Like if you get there, I've had an instance where I got to a hotel late on yeah. a motorcycle trip. With Especially that. rural ones like yeah. that, they're asleep yeah, at yeah. that time. Yeah, that's exactly what has happened to us before, and we've had you know we had to figure out. So I was like, please, I hope it's not like this. But I had called the hotel beforehand before we left, and I told them. I was like, hey, we're coming in late. Um, So we were good. And so I just was like, I got the key from the woman, and I was just done. I was just done. (laughs) Was it one of those things where you flopped into bed with your gear on and just like laid there for a few hours? No, the problem with me is I have OCD. So I had to unpack the gear. I had to get like my sleeping. That's the problem. Is like Three hours later. But eventually we called it a night. But the thing is, is this... Dude, you called it an early morning at that point if you had to unpack everything. The thing is, and this is like advice for any writers out there, is like, don't do what I did. Like, it's not worth it. It's really stupid. <laughs> That's the worst advice ever. Don't do Don't what I did. Don't do what I did. Like, <laughs> Here's my book. It's called Don't Do What I Did. <laughs> that is my life story, man. <laughs> on my tombstone. That's what I want on my tombstone. Don't I'm a, do I'm a what teacher. I did. I'm here to teach you what not to do. <laughs> That's, that is like the essence of my life. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the reason I say that is like literally the next day, I was I wasted a whole day of recovery. Yeah. I couldn't get out of, I literally could not get out of bed. I could, my, I was super dehydrated because I was basically drinking Red Bull and coffee to like keep my adrenaline up and keep myself caffeinated. So I was super dehydrated the next day and just my hands looked like the Crypt Keeper because they had curled in to themselves like, like this 
I'm putting rolling my hands in all the way, like you know, like someone who has severe arthritis. I couldn't open my hands all the way the next day, just pain all the way up my forearms, like um, what's that called? Pump, arm pump, or whatever. Like I had arm pump. <laughs> you know, arm pump. Uh, my just my ankle was swollen, everything. And I literally had to take 12 hours. So we had to get the hotel a second day because I told Ash, I was like, I can't go into the the campgrounds. Like, I, I can't walk. Like, I couldn't even get out of bed. I was going to say, so what you're telling me is you went to Babes Ride Out for the last day. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> That's why I say I'm going to talk about Ashley's experience. So long story short, that was my experience. That was like me essentially getting up there. Took a day to recover. And so talking about, do we? how are we on time? Oh, we're way over. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Do you want to break it up? or? Sure. I mean, we can. Just keep going. Okay. Because, I mean, this is, it's, it's like story time. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, so what I'm going to speak about is I want to give the positive elements of what, like, Ashley experienced because she was able to, like, get in there and, like, experience a lot of things. So this year, the location was up uh, Central Coast. It was in Santa Margarita, which was near San Luis Obispo. Um, Really beautiful, beautiful area. So every year, um, Ashley and I, for our anniversary, we take a trip up the coast, and we always stop in San Luis Obispo. So we know the area pretty well because we've done the ride several several times already. Um, so I love that area. Absolutely just gorgeous. And I love getting out of L.A. Anytime I can get out of L.A. and realize that the world is not an urban jungle, it kind of mellows me out. It calms me down, and it just centers me and gets me more in touch with nature and, like, the outside elements. So it was just really beautiful once we... It was daylight and, like, seeing all of the terrain. Oh, and one thing that I did experience going up the coast or the... Going up north was the fires. Did you guys take the 101 all the way up there? Um, No, because we weren't near the... We did for a minute, um, but then we crossed inland. Okay. Because we're at the Schumass Highway. How far inland does it show you that is? Because uh, we had taken it. We had taken it up until a point, and then we went. We went inland, and then we went wherever the fires are. We were near the fires because the ash was coming down like snow. Like I was breathing in ash for like at least an hour. Well, though you were way out of the L.A. fires. I don't know what I know. There was like 270 fires burning last week, and I don't know. A lot of them were like yeah, be, right below the central coast, like yeah, okay. the dry area over there. Um, yeah, she said the Shumas Highway to 101. Um, but it was really, I mean, if it was daytime, the ride would have been great. But it was essentially just that my issue was just getting getting to the location. So Santa Margarita, the campgrounds were um, really expansive. Like last year in Joshua Tree, it was kind of, it was pretty expansive too, but it was like cordoned off. This one felt more open. And some people, from what I've seen on Instagram, some people liked it. I had some um, critiques of it because it was out in this field and there were these prickly sticklers everywhere. And I forget what uh, Micah was calling them, but they are some star thistles. They are star thistles. devil seeds. Yeah. They are from the devil. They're from hell. They can burn in hell forever because those motherfuckers stick to 
everything. Yeah. And they're like not um, compatible with tents because if you're gonna lay down your tent, you gotta like make sure you have a really extra thick tarp because that shit, those sticklers, some of them were like half an inch long. Yeah, some the spikes. Of, people were showing them going through tires and yeah, all sorts of yeah. stuff. They were, and it was an entire through field. tents, through tents. Yeah, they're, sleeping bags. Somebody said start this hole. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's not. That and, would, and that's they, what they, they look they like. They look like a weapon. Of, yes. Yeah. They were weapons because you go to sit down. You couldn't, <laughs> sit, you couldn't sit down on the bare ground because it was literally like you would jump up. And um, Sonia met us there, and she had brought her dogs, and she didn't know that it was like that. So she has these little, like, little tiny dogs, and they want to run around, but they can't run around because they were their paws yeah. were getting stuck. So that kind of sucked because it wasn't. Um, they're service dogs. Pitter patter yelp, pitter patter yelp, or yeah, it did was they even like, get ah, like what the fuck? Oh, okay, so they <laughs> but were. She yelping. had a tarp, so she put a tarp oh, okay. out for them. Thank God. Could so. you imagine hairball over here? Like, dude, oh, all no. sorts of stuff sticks in her fur. Yeah. So not only would she get yeah, well, stepping you know on what? it, but she'd get stuck. I in her was fur. essentially like that because I have to wear a medical boot, and oh, the medical boot is fabric. Fuzzy, you know, it has the right. bottom, the bottom bottom part's hard and rigid, but then inside around your foot, it's like this like sock. I don't know how to. Yeah. Like well, a now sock. it's a soccer cleat since it has all those things so stuck it, in the bottom. Essentially, when I would like walk around, all of those stickers were like magnets, and they stuck into the <laughs> medical boot. Uh, it was it honestly. For camping wise, I I didn't like that. That was a real uh, downside for me because yeah. it just made it like not pleasant. You know what? Had it been any other time of year, those things would have been soft because you know right. they they are mm-hmm. green at one point and then they die out. And then when they die, they get they yeah. hard when all the water goes away from them. So at some point, they would have been soft and yeah, not maybe non-existent. Yeah, in yeah, early yeah. spring, they wouldn't have been blooming or yeah. blossoming yet. Into yeah, those so things. that was the downside because, and I think they had just like freshly cut the area too, so there were extras like that, ha- and like there were tumbleweeds and stuff. There were like these <laughs> like medieval weapons because a bunch of them would just like collect together, and you have this like two and a half foot wide tumbleweed of just sticklers and and pointy things jabbing at you. So. I wasn't really big on that just because that was just really an inconvenience. Um, but the one positive side was that it didn't feel as crowded as the previous location, which is interesting because this was definitely a larger uh, attendance than previous years. I think if I remember correctly, they said that it was like 1,562 or something. Uh, a number like that. So a lot of women came out and much bigger. Every year it's been growing bigger and bigger. And so having it spread out, it definitely felt more relaxed as far as finding a tent. The tents had, the tent rows really nice. Everyone found a spot. They were able to set up, like we had a nice little setup where we had one, two, we had three tents and we had an area with the tarps for the dogs. There was like a little, um, a little crate for the dogs and we had like a little table um, because Sonia had brought up her truck so she just hucked all of the gear in the truck and was able to have kind of like a legit camping experience for us Um, and so that that was nice like once we got set up it was great because we had the tents we had like a little area where we could eat food hang out and so as long as there were uh, tarps down on the ground it was okay because you don't have to worry about sticklers um, so, um, also like Northern California, 
once we did some of the rides, because I did was able to do a ride. God, it's so beautiful. Like just, you guys didn't go up north, right? You stuck in Central Coast, right? Yeah, no, but we took some of the northern routes. I oh, don't okay, remember. Okay. Oh, I can't remember that. Uh, Pozo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's where we were riding over there. Um, you guys were right by the Carrizo Plain too, which is a. Uh, I want to say it's a national monument, but it's a huge um, area right there in between. It's like the basin between the Sierra Nevadas and whatever that coastal range is um, by Lompoc and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, so you guys were like right yeah. in between there. You guys were by Solvang. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is I love home Solvang. to a, Did you ever go to the motorcycle I, museum there? Yes. Oh my yes. God, I love that place. Yeah, no, I've been there. I've been going to Solvang since I was a kid. I love that place. It's fucking Danish. Oh, so good. But um, <laughs> so... The tents, I liked how they had the rows, but the thing is, is when I rode in, I remember I had stayed at the hotel an extra day. I didn't spend the night, the extra night at the hotel. What we did is I slept in Friday. So Friday was when everyone was coming in, right? Um, And so I just basically slept most of the day on Friday to recover. And then I had the bike at the hotel. And then what we did is we swapped because Kayla had volunteered and so she volunteered working, registering everyone. And that's how she got like a free, I think she got like a free ticket, which was really legit. That's really cool. Um, next year, like if I'm not injured, <laughs> I won't be injured. Um, I would like to do something like that because it's, it's nice to, you yeah. get to meet people. Like she's, she's never ridden before. So she was saying <coughs> how she got to meet all of these people. And like, it was really a really good experience. Does she live in Florida? Yeah, she's in Florida in St. Pete. Yeah, we should have her call in and see how what she thought yeah. being a, no, a non rider going to this event. Yeah, I like, would love to hear that. What was the draw for her? Totally. Like, interesting to she, me to find out. Like, from what I got from her, she loved it. She yeah. absolutely loved every. She got to ride. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But she did get to experience motorcycles, like, as a rider. You know, talking about the campsite. Uh, just to wrap it up on that part, the the only thing that was kind of an issue was the way the layout of it because I know they advertised that there was hot showers somewhere with like an attendant or something like in a trailer. I've I never saw where those were. <laughs> they were nowhere near. So I don't know. That sounds fishy. Are you sure if, some dude wasn't just standing outside camp with that uh, sign? I don't know. Like <laughs> I showers honestly, in my trailer lighted. <laughs> <laughs> which find me whatever i didn't need a shower like i'm a dirt bag i can be dirty yeah it's only two and a half days yeah right? yeah it's fine i've done that before um but the um i do that every day what but yeah so that was essentially the camp yeah <laughs> that's what the smell was i was wondering well, where that was coming from but um that's why i brought the dog in i wanted to blame somebody Wait <laughs> <laughs> here by me dog but yeah, so like uh, Babe Giant Out is always cool because they always have like a variety of different things. They'll have music. They got um, like workshops. And so this year, the really cool thing is they've really expanded some of the activities that you can do. So um, I think they did Moto Games last year. Um I don't remember. I didn't really experience much last year because we were doing the Lucky Wheels van, so we were right. working that the whole time. So I didn't really. Experience was, what it was that? Just way. signing people up and stuff, or what? The Lucky Wheels. Yeah. Oh no, people. We were like a mechanic. Oh, okay. It was sweet. like a DIY nice. setup. We had all the tools, and people would come bring their bike. Be like, hey, 
my clutch cable is loose. And so we'd be like, here, here's the tool. Here's how you do this, blah, blah, blah. That's actually how I met my friend Sonia. She she was the first person who came over with Segaline and her kickstand had fallen off. And um, what happened was pull up the Harley and Sonia just drops down to the ground, like belly on the ground, looking under the bike, starts working on it. I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not going to be outdone looking like a mechanic here. So I get in the dirt right next to her because I'm like, that's how I'm (laughs) my competitive nature. But like, so we get down there and we're just working on the stuff. And that was, that's what's cool about Babes Right Out. Two people working under a motorcycle. that's, That's like bonds for life though. But the thing is, is that, the the constant theme yeah the constant theme is like at babes right out that gave the opportunity for me to make a friend and like I would call Sonia like a friend for life like she would be there in a heartbeat because we just had a bond and we just became instant friends and so that's really cool because if I hadn't gone to babes right out I wouldn't have had that opportunity yeah and so it was really neat because she lives in Monterey you know so there's no reason like our paths wouldn't have crossed otherwise. I don't see foresee how that would have happened. Dude, that's cool that she's like, you're still buddies. She's brought you bars down for the banana. And yeah, like, yeah. No, when <laughs> I was sounds like injured, it's a, a real friendship. Dude, you know? it is. She's a nurse, and she when I was telling her the um, like some of the issues I was having with my foot, she's like, I can bring you down this, this, and this. She fucking rode. She's a nurse who will be on call, and she's like, okay. I'm on call, but I'm just going to, like, jet down there. I'm going to drop this stuff off, and then I'll leave the next From day. Monterey? Yeah, yeah. Fudge. Like, that's how fucking badass she is, you know? And she hooked me up with a bunch She hooked me up with a bunch of sliders and, like, stuff for my bike. But, um, yeah, so anyways. So they had the, the moto games, which were really fun. Um, was that, like, the pushing the barrel across yeah, the field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That one was really funny. But the thing is, is, like, they had the barrels, like, a big oil barrel. And at first, they were doing, you had to keep your feet on the pegs. But for some, I don't know, people were having issues, like, actually even moving Because that's kind of hard, yeah. It's really tough, dude. It's, especially you got those prickly things. So if you, if, remember, if you fall down and you're not wearing a jacket, like a lot of these chicks were just, like, wearing tank tops, you're fucked, you know? Well, I mean? you're popping your tires and popping yeah. your arms onto some prickles. So they were riding through this shit, though? Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't fucking up tires or no, it was? I rode I rode there at, at the dead of night when I came in on Friday because I came in late at night and it was like kind of sketch. So they me. were enough to stick into the tires but not pop them. I don't know. I think I think someone did get a flat tire, but I don't I don't remember a lot of people getting flat tires. I don't think it was like they were that long. Yeah, I get you. Enough to do that. I get you. But they were doing the barrel thing and um it was just so funny and entertaining. Like everyone was having a good time, but they they changed, they had to modify the rules that you could put your feet down. And I was like, that's cheating. You know, you got to make it difficult. You got to make it challenging. Um, so they also had, uh, so Harley was one of the sponsors. And so this year what they did was they had. A live wire. Yeah, right. <laughs> explosion of people dying. <laughs> oh. That's where the California fires happened. Is there a problem with the live wire? <laughs> Next show. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a whole episode. Um, so they this was great. This is why it worked out great having um, Ashley's friend Kayla come out is they had an invitation for new riders to ride bikes. And, like, so it was really. Street um, 500s? I was asking her, because I didn't see her do it, I was asking her what it was, and she said it was a small bike 
that had a clutch. So, because you know, the Harley has the other kind that doesn't have a clutch. I don't know what it's called. The live wire. <laughs> no, they have another one because it's. For, I think they do it for the academy, the riding academy. They use Street Five Hundreds for those. I'm that's, pretty okay, sure that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um. But so, um, she got to ride a motorcycle that was her first time riding a motorcycle she did the like they had like a course and they did i think they did probably the 500 and she said they had a bigger bike so i'm guessing it's a 750 street 750 yeah so most likely the 500 and 750 so she got to ride you know learn how to use the clutch they had a course set up um and so you know that was really a really that's rad yeah it's cool because you know she was kind of like oh i i don't ride motorcycles and here was an opportunity for her to actually get on one and like be taught how to ride it properly in a short period of time obviously yeah it's not like a weekend riding course but dude it's getting uh you rode a harley like you gotta ride a harley (laughs) yeah but it's like the street well you don't don't tell people that when you're like yeah i've been on a harley before you don't tell them yeah, it was the, uh, yeah. especially you don't say it was like an Air Maki 250 it's, rebranded Harley from like 1970. You say it was it was a Harley, man. Yeah, it was yeah. a V twin right, and everything. Yeah. It was a hog. You're yeah. riding a hog. It's funny in the notes. Ashley puts Harley only and then the upside down thumbs emoji because <laughs> she doesn't like Harleys. Um, but so then who does the, what? Yeah, I know Wigs is in here. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, Wisconsin. <laughs> Everybody in Wisconsin. <laughs> Oof. Okay, so um. The thing, the last thing that I wanted to talk about. I don't even about. know if they listen. I know if Narissa listens and, and I, her friend. You know what? Honestly, I still have my Harley. And, like, there's always this place in my heart for Harley. <laughs> so even though I talk shit, I still do love it. I, yeah. I think Wiggs even says the same. The rivets. I hope none of them are listening when I said that. <laughs> I hope they've all tuned out by now. It was interesting because it's like I always joke instead of Babes Ride Out, it should be called Harley's Ride Out. Because there's always, like, so many Harleys. Dude, it's the chopular uh, culture. Yeah, it, but it was... The interesting thing about our campsite was... Because I spent a lot of time at the camp, campsite due to my ankle. But um, this one chick and her friend was walking by. And I saw them, like, as you know how you're, like, you're walking... You know, like, if you see a hot... I don't, well, I mean, if somebody was to see a hot chick. Not saying that if I... Okay, anyways. You're you know, you see something that you tonight. like. Like, you know, something that looks interesting and you're like you know like the meme you know you're like yeah, looking yeah, yeah. back she was doing that as she was walking past our campsite because we had um crap i don't remember what the it was a little 250 was it a klx 250 okay they do have those yeah i think it was a klx 250 and so she had that i had the se 650 ashley had the ktm and then there was the versus um, was it a street legal 250 yeah. It might have yeah. been a KLR 250. There you go. Yeah, you're right. It was the KLR. That's what I meant to say. KLR, <clears throat> KLR 250. Then she had the Versus, and then she had... Dang. Fuck. Versus 1,000? Or the 3,000? Or oh, the, uh, the 3,000, the 300? Where are all and- these emojis? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, we don't need to know which verses. We'll just say it was no, the verses. No, she had the verses. And it was a six, I think, the think 650. Yeah, yeah. And then she had the 2017 SV650. Oh, bam. Um, that was the SV650 that got me into SV650s because last year. That's the latest gen. All, this is how it's like all, it's like a spider web. It's all connected because last year when I was talking to Sonia, when we made instant friendship, 
um, she was saying, hey, like, I love my SV6. She was just talking about this bike. And now, Grant, if you know me, before I got the banana, I was only Harley. All I had ever ridden was Harley. I had had, like, four or five Harleys up until that point. And so... Like, I was like, I'm not a street bike rider. I'm never going to do that. And so when I met her, she's like, no, you got to try this bike. You got to try it. So she gave me the keys and she was like, here, take my brand new SV650 and take it for a spin. And I was just like, wait, are you joking? Like, no fucking way. I would <laughs> never do that. Another though. It's awesome. No. So she like gave, and I even dumped. All the stuff out of your chair just now. <laughs> like, I actually even dumped the bike because I hit a spot of gravel when I was going to leave the campsite, and I, like, went down. Like, mild, nothing bad, but I kind of bent her her slider, and I was like, when I brought it back, I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just, like, bent up your slider. And she's like, no, it's no big deal. <laughs> and so um, that was how I got into... The SV, yeah. So and I'm, they a, are I am sick bikes. like in the cult of SV. What year is yours too? Yours is two thousand five. So yours Second is like gen. a Gen two, yeah. yeah. Second Gen. And glad, gladly, uh, you didn't get the SFV, which was the. I think those were called the Gladius, the SFV. Oh yeah, 650. the yeah. Are those the same ones that they say are curvy? I always see talk. Yeah, they yeah, have the, they have a weird front bodies. light, and the, the frame ugly. does look weird. Yeah, it does have a weird like They're curve so in ugly. the frame. I love the second gen, the one that I have. It's amazing. Yeah, um, I like the latest gen too. They're really like the SVs yeah. are great. You know, they had they had an SV one thousand that was also, in my opinion, a pretty sweet. I mean, for a thousand V twin. It was pretty rad, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, like, yeah. I loved that. That was the thing about Sonia is she was like, you're going to love it because it's a V-twin. And so I was like, okay. Like, I hadn't thought about that. And when I got on the bike, I was like, fuck yeah. It's got the V-twin. It's kind of, It's got that sound. It's got that feeling. It's but, not the potato-potato V-twin, though. Right. It's not It's but not. It, it's like, like the dual-thumpered V-twin. But it's still, you got that, you know, that vibration. You got that feeling. You know what I mean? It's not as much vibration as the Harley, which is good because I, my arthritis can't handle yeah. that anymore. I'm wondering what the firing order on the... <clears throat> I sh- haven't looked this crap up in You're a while. You're supposed to know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the Harley versus the... The uh, banana because they totally sound different for V and V twins, and it's because of the the firing. Yeah, I'm guessing that the Harleys are like a, um, a 360 or a 270, and I'm guessing the banana is like a 180. Yeah, I'm totally wrong. I have no idea. I'm, 100% I'm just wrong shaking my head like I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, I'm gonna bet you I'm a thousand degrees. <laughs> Degrees wrong on both <laughs> accounts. But I'll look yeah. it up right now while you're talking. No, so that was really great because she uh, got me into the SVs. And um, so that bike was at our campsite. So um, as I was saying, the chick was walking past our site. And I was like, hey, like, she's like, oh, she was looking at the banana specifically. And I was like, yeah, you like what you see? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I was joking, obviously, Ashley. Um <laughs> Uh, but she's like, yeah, like, you know, she's like, I was looking for bikes that weren't Harleys at the campsite. And she's like, you guys are like, uh, multicultural diversity. Oh, that's what made it stand out. Right. And so that's why she, so we had a, started, sparked up a conversation because she has an SV. I think hers was a 2003 and she was saying how hers, she has the first gen and, um, but yeah, we were just talking about how, um, 
she was looking for bikes that weren't Harleys. And I think that if I was to give a critique of Babes Right Out is just like, I wish that more of the women had a little bit more diversity in the bikes that they bring in. This year, I did see a lot of GSs. I did see uh, several dual sports. I think I saw a couple versus. Um, there are definitely some dirt bikes, but it's still so Harley-centric. It's so cruiser-centric. You got Indy in there. You got a lot of the scouts, the the chiefs, and, and all of the various different cruiser-style bikes. Um, but it was just fun to see. Like, there was a Hayabusa there. So we saw this chick pulling in on a <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Was it lowered and stretched? It looked lowered, but I don't think it was stretched. Um, but it was, like, so funny seeing this Hayabusa pull in and then just surrounded by Harleys. It was just, like, black sheep. Um, but so, yeah, so that was really cool to see a little bit more diversity in the bikes. I hope that next time around there's there's more of that, um, like, more sport bikes. Like, definitely be cool to see more sport bikes. And so... Going on to some of the things that were going on, we had the M1. So this is where... Hey, what did I say a Harley fired at? Did I say 270? 280 something. And you said 190, I think, for the... I would have said 270 and 180. So what is it? Harleys are 315. (laughs) Not even close. And the... uh, Well, because I was thinking 180... Or 360, right? Because that's their yeah. obs- they fire at 315. So I was thinking, right? But the uh, the banana fires at 270. Okay. So that's why the banana. So what sounds- was the first one? You said three what? Harley's at 315. 315. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um. That's why they sound so different. But uh, yeah, that. Um, I almost typed in what is a banana? What's a banana firing order? And then I was like, wait, it's not called a banana. It's an SV 650. <laughs> <laughs> I almost typed in. What's yeah, a Google is like, what the fuck are you talking uh, about? Hey, bananas don't have pistons or <laughs> um, <laughs> spark plugs. So there was the the um, M1. So what they had this year, and this is what got Ashley into mini bikes. She now has a mini bike obsession. They have the M1, I think they call it the M1 GP. Do you know? What? Yep. Yeah, yeah. They were out at Willow Springs yes. uh, when we were there in December. Yeah, I think Ashley at one of uh, the, there was a motorcycle event last year that we had gone to and they had a raffle and she had bought raffle tickets to get a voucher for the M1 GP uh, training course or whatever they call it. And she won. And so she went to it, and that just started, like, she, something, mm. like, she's like, oh, this is fun. And so they had that at Babes Right Out this year, and they were saying that it was so popular that it filled up immediately. And they had leathers, so you could rent the leathers. They had the bikes there, and they had the the um, trainers and the course set up. So essentially— Were they right on dirt, though? Um, From the pictures, I think it was— because where would they ride? Yeah, I think it was asphalt. I'm waiting for Ashley to respond. I don't know if she can see what I'm writing, but yeah, no, it was a, it, it was it was an asphalt patch because I remember because she was doing figure eights, mm-hmm. dragging me around the cone, and so um, they had the the instructors there, and basically it was like I think it was a couple hours, and they yeah it was an hour long riding course, and 
they showed you how to ride the bike and all of the different maneuvers. And they said it was so popular that people are requesting it for like when they mm. do the East Coast and other stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. They do, um, I wanted my daughter to do it. They do different tracks around SoCal. Well, and Central Cal. It doesn't, it's not just SoCal. I think they also go to um, Button Willow and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, you, you can be a kid. Um, it can be like for corporate outings and it can be, you know, you cut, like you can rent them for corporate events or whatever. It, they do a really cool program. And we got to actually interview one of the ladies that was an instructor for there. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, really Ashley cool. is so hooked on it. She was oh talking God, to, Ashley. yeah, she, I think his name was Paul. Um, she was talking to him and she was like, um, so what does it take to be an instructor? <laughs> so she's like, comes back to the tent and she's like, so we're going <laughs> to get awesome. a mini bike and I'm going to be an instructor. No, she didn't really say that, but she was like, I want to get a mini bike. Like, this is like something I would love to do. Um, so that's really cool that she, she's into that. Were they the Honda fifties? The, yeah, I believe so. They didn't have a clutch and, um, it was funny because she was saying like how you had to like straddle it to like yeah, kind of like yeah. bump start it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I couldn't, the course was too far away from the tent area. So unfortunately, like I couldn't like huck myself over there. So I just had to watch the videos. That couldn't she, she just drag you on like we brought, a tarp? Oh, the funny behind. thing is we brought the wheelchair. We did bring the wheelchair and we did use that when we went out of town and they were kind of wheeling me around Target. <laughs> I was going to say there may be some lost footage of me getting towed behind it's my buddies. It's just hard because you have the, the, the dirt was so dry and just like, and there were dips. So like, they're pushing me in the wheelchair and I'm just like four-wheeling it. They, they like almost dumped me like five different times and I'm just like- You needed to put some of those jogging stroller <laughs> tires on the front. Like I those needed knobbies, dude. Yeah. yeah, I needed knobbies because it was like like adventure riding on the, on the yeah. wheelchair. My buddy towed me behind his R6 in a wheelchair one time, but that was like- it was smooth. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was ride. interesting. It was a fun ride. But yeah, so uh, so she, oh, she said as young is his name, and it was like three hours. So and she even actually said there was like a twelve year old girl that yep. was there. Somebody yeah, had brought they there. do it for kids. I want yeah. my daughter to do it. Uh, it looks. I wanted to do it so bad. I was just like I was so envious because I was like oh, I would love to do that, but. Um, Maybe next year. Hopefully I can do it next year. But it was like three hours. So it was like a decent chunk of time. And um, Ashley was just just hooked. And her, her friend did it also. And like they both loved it, you know. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was just some of the things that were going on. And there were some other other things going on. We were going to get tattoos, but the tattoos filled up so quickly. The downside was... <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that a bunch of Harley people wanted tattoos? <laughs> well, that's how I got this. You haven't seen my flying tits? I got flying oh, tits. That's nice. from last year. I got those. And it was funny because everyone, like around 9 o'clock, that's flying when all of the... <laughs> <laughs> that's hardcore. Yeah, I know. Flying banana with some flying tits on it. I fucking love this tattoo. It's so funny. because is. When I would work with kids, I would have to make sure I wear like a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, last year, like the booze starts kicking in around 9 o'clock. And so we 
walked by the tattoo place and they're like, oh, a bunch of people didn't show up because, you know, they're like <laughs> getting drunk. So that's how I actually got this tattoo because the, before the, the list had been really long. But yeah, so the only downside, I think, time-wise this year was it was strict. They were like 10 o'clock, everybody out. And so I think it was because whoever they were renting the land from, they were very strict because when we were wrapping up on Sunday... <clears throat> they were like, um, we were like some of the last people that were there and they kept circling in the truck. Loading that bike. They were like, um, when are you guys leaving? When are you guys leaving? Like, you guys need to be out of here. You got like, so I don't know what the deal was with the owners of the land, but they were very rigid on like time restrictions. And um, so that was a dance. Like before last year, like they kind of like meandering like 11 o'clock. There was some music. People were mingling. All the lights were on. It was more of like a festival kind of chill out area. Not so much this year. So like once it closed down, then, you know, all the lights are off and then God knows what else happens. <laughs> what, what happens at Babes Ride Out stays at Babes Ride yeah, Out. Yeah. So, so you mean lights out at 10 o'clock at night? In the festival area. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. But okay. the tents area wasn't very lit up unless you had like a generator or something. Mm-hmm. You know? So it essentially kind of just got shut down. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, tons of fun. Ashley, there, there's probably like a noise ordinance or something in I'm that not, to keep have, that valley quiet for the residents. Or you something. know what? I think that's exactly what it is because it was really close by a neighborhood, mm-hmm. and so they even said that in the information that they sent out. They said we're right by a neighborhood, and we don't we want to be able to come back yeah. next year. So please, like they're saying, even like um, if you have a loud bike, don't come in after a certain time because there were residents nearby. So yeah, definitely that was something to keep in mind. But um, for me, I think the best, just to wrap this up, because I have been blabbering on and I apologize, um, the, uh, the best thing for me was the two writing experiences that I got. So we went to lunch down by Pozo, the Pozo area. The Bozos of Pozo. Yeah. And, I love that place. Oh man, like... I got to rip on the banana and I haven't had a chance to do that and like hit any canyons lately. And I just, it was just like, like similar to canyon riding, just so many great curves. And we were group riding. So we had, we were riding with friends and um, we got really good lunch. And then Ashley, she had to bounce out early. And so she rode with with a, her friend Kayla on the back for the first time. So that was really cool for her. Nice. Yeah, awesome, yeah. Actually. So she did that on the KTM. And um, so I'm really proud of her that she was able to do that because I know that she was a little bit anxious, um, just like I was the first time, you know. Um, but once she did it, she was like, fine, you know. But it's just funny seeing us when we take passengers because we're so small and the person <laughs> on the back is always like <laughs> much bigger than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and then so on the way home, we took the scenic route, and we took it during daylight. And so uh, I don't remember the, I don't remember any of the – it was like the 33 to the f- 55 or the 51 or something. And No, not the 5? not the, You didn't slab no, it home? No, we, okay, went, yeah. we went inland because <clears throat> I was looking for um, our buddy Sarah. She had actually put me on – onto this route because she's like, if you want something that's fun, there's this area and it's super, super like super curvy and it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And, um, no cars, absolutely no cars. I saw maybe like three cars and it was, I think it was like a two hour ride 
And it was excellent. 30 miles, two hours. <laughs> so twisty. <laughs> no, there were like some hairpin turns, like 15 yeah. mile per hour hairpins and just really, really, really fun riding. And so for me, that was really nice because it ended uh, like on a good note and I got I got that riding in. And yeah, so those babes ride out. Everyone had a different experience. I know on Instagram, like tons of people were posting all their different rides, group rides. We did, I'm not much of a group rider, so I don't really do... And I know Liza and some of the people on, on the Misfits talk about that. Like, sometimes group rides can be... Yeah, sketchy. And, I mean, uh, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, and I'm, you know, honestly, like, me and Sonia, we always joke we're, like, assholes. And we're not good. We're not good with, like, group rides. Um, I always end up riding too fast or, like, away from the group. And I'm not as good being patient with slower riders. And so, like, I'm not always looking behind. Like, is anybody behind me? Because, like, that's what happens. I look behind and, like, everybody's gone, <laughs> you know? And so that's not good etiquette for group riding. But, um, yeah. That was, that was Babes Ride Out. It was fun. It was very just, like, I could go keep going on, but no one else wants to hear all of the rest of my stories. Yeah, we, we put a good chunk of, yeah, yeah. chunk of time into people's ears. Like I said, we started this podcast three hours later. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Well, that has been our show. This is episode 190. What is it, Jay? 196.521. No, this has been episode 196. Part two, and I'd like to thank everybody for hanging out and listening to. Th- I'm, I just realized in the beginning I made that plea for more listeners, and now I realize why nobody listens. Hashtag listen to Junkie Ramble on for the first part of the show. So, at any rate, I'd like to thank uh, MotoGP. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If uh, when people want to catch you on your regular show, where can they go? And don't say 196.5, the Eagle or whatever the hell. Uh, so it's the Nokomoto podcast, which you can find on any platform, I believe, or you can catch it at 2 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons on GSXR 600 FM, The, the Squid. Squid. Coming to you from Springfield. Um, yeah, yeah, and you guys are on, you guys are live uh, every, <laughs> I don't know. I'll edit that out. You can edit that out. We don't do any. We don't do any live. Nonsense. Yeah, nobody there's does. Too, I think it's, it's there's time. too much beer nonsense and whatever. <laughs> yeah, even I, even Moto One Podcast Network kind of shakes their heads. Get, get drunk with Pete and Sweetie. Yeah, that'll be. That'll guess be, who's gonna get drunk? <laughs> the most drunk by the end of the yeah. episode. <laughs> yes, I like this. You could you could have <laughs> your own. Be Listen, you got to take a shot. It can be interactive. Well, that's gonna be my breakaway podcast. Yeah. You're you're gonna do. Don't be a mark. I'm gonna do get drunk. <laughs> yeah alright and uh, I'm Junkie and I'm out of here please tune in every week if you can tell a friend about us I want next year to have 220 listens per day not 110 and I know 110 plus 110 is 370 but I only want 220 listens um, and also uh, reminder I just watched the third episode of Ghost Biker Explorations season 2 and I'm telling you, dude, this girl is out there doing some wacky stuff with uh, the paranormal. Um, and check them out every Tuesday on Facebook and YouTube, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. 
Miranda Young is her name, and her uh, cameraman Josh is sometimes there with her, sometimes he ain't. So sometimes you get her interacting with the dead and undead on her own, and sometimes it's with uh, with her cameraman. But she's always capturing a new adventure and airing it every week at 6. And uh, Spooky Spokes, thank you, Sandra Parker, for the first submission. It chilled my bones. And uh, Jay, we're going to let Jay have a little plug here, too. I'm out. Hey, so if you're a motorcyclist, I'm sure you all have known somebody who's gone down, been injured, had something happen where, you know, they got hit by a car, maybe broke some bones. And I think we're all familiar with that. It's very, very unfortunate. And usually the typical uh, method or uh, what follow-up that happens is a GoFundMe is created. Right? And that's perfectly fine. Uh, I have supported lots of people over the years through a GoFundMe. However, you know, I had a recent accident and I kind of wanted to change it up. I didn't want to just go around begging for money. I was looking at uh, basically zero income from this point forward. So I had to figure out what is I, what am I going to do? I cannot walk. I cannot really do anything that I employment-wise had been doing before. So I uh, decided I would take my artistic abilities and create a business and try to get it off the ground. So what I have created is the Flying Banana Incorporated, AKA FBI. And so what I'm trying to do is I am making motorcycle related stickers and prints and art, stuff that's fun, things that are gonna make you laugh and smile and remember why we enjoy motorcycles. It's just to forget all the serious or boring crap in the world and like have some fun, put a smile on our face. And so I have created this business with my partner, Ashley, and I would really love if you could just check it out, tell your friends about it. We got stickers, so you can stick them anywhere. We got uh, nice little small ones. We got a little flying banana, the logo. We got a couple of other fun ones uh, being released in the next few months. And we're trying to keep everything affordable. So if you would like to support a motorcyclist who is injured, all of the money that um, we make from this web shop goes directly towards helping me literally get back on my feet because I'm not on my feet right now. And so I am working hard for the money. I'm trying to use my skills and incorporate it with something that I love, which is motorcycles. So if you'd like to check it out or tell your friends about it, it is flyingbanana.bigcartel.com. So that is flyingbanana, all one word, dot bigcartel, all one word, dot com. And we have prints also. And if you are interested in maybe getting something custom, we are working on some logos for some people and different designs on the back end. So if you want something that's more tailored to you, or maybe you'd like a gift for a friend or a loved one who's into motorcycles, reach out to us. I am trying to make this basically my future employment because I'm looking at potentially uh, having possibly permanent disabilities due to this last accident. So instead of being, you know, all boring and sad, I'm trying to really focus on the positive and take this opportunity to use the skills that I have. It also means no more dancing on the pole. 
Oh, I'll figure out a way. I love to dance. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I have had a consistent outreach of several people who have consistently bought multiple stickers from me multiple times. Every time we've had it released, they have bought them. And I just want to thank you guys because we are, all, me and my girlfriend are always talking about how important that is to us and how much we care about that. You are giving me purpose. It, this is not something that you're like buying a Starbucks coffee or something that's meaningless. This is genuinely something that has meaning and purpose and is giving me a reason to keep going. So thank you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your ride. Oh yeah. All right, everybody, that is it. I just want to say Thanks again for listening and wasting a perfectly good hour of your life uh, reminiscing with the folks here at Creative Writing. I'll leave this as our outro music this week. And one last thing, uh, of course, thank you Moto One Podcast Network for letting us steal Moto GPT for the night. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Moto GPT. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Wiggins has had time, but check out Field Initiative Knives if you get a chance on Instagram. And thank you to our newest patron, John Hillenbrand. Uh, by the time you hear this, hopefully you're getting your little uh, package. So, well, your letter and stickers. Uh, but thank you so much, John, for joining us at the uh, $5 level that added, added another $5 patron to the coffers. And with that, yeah, we out. Uh, tune in next week for Spooky Sparks. 